December 7, 1997. Goodwill Hunting reminded us that therapy is essentially repetition until crying. Ah, Real Monsters ended its run on Nickelodeon, forcing children everywhere to confront the real Real Monsters in their heads. At the Billboard Music Awards, Leanne Rimes won Artist of the Year at age 14, while I had recently figured out how best to hide my boners during math class. Meanwhile, in Springfield, Massachusetts, Stone Cold Steve Austin fought The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship at D-Generation X in your house. You fact tub goo oops, this is Hell in a Cell Phone. Okay, so let me hear it. <laughs> it's what was what was I saying wrong? You were saying Massachusetts. Aaron, once again for our listeners, uh, where did the Boston Tea Party take place? What state? It took place in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. There's like a Z there. You're you're softening it now. The first few takes were a real hard zits. Massachusetts. We just to let you inside, you know, behind the curtain, we. Could not get through what? How many? How many takes it take? Like six. Uh, yeah. And and we could not keep a straight face. Bobby and I could not keep a straight face while you were saying it, and you couldn't finish because we were laughing at you so hard. Um, I grew up in New England. That makes it worse. Yeah. Honestly. But no, maybe you guys are saying it wrong. No, I also I'm lived in sure Massachusetts, right. and they all said it. That way, yeah, Massachusetts. I've been to Boston, Massachusetts. Do you go, or have you been to Boston? What? (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely, I have. (laughs) I definitely have like an accent from growing up in Connecticut. I've only noticed it in um, words like the the not a glove that you wear on your hand. It's got all the. Condom? Yes, exactly. The way I say condom. No, I say mitten. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, mister, you see my mitten? Hey, my mitten. Have you been here, my mitten? This is good because I think we're now charting uh, on Great Britain. In Britain. In Britain. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, them's my mittens. (laughs) Consider yourself. Well, in look at that tiny cat walking over here. <laughs> leave it, to, <laughs> leave it to kitten. <laughs> so that was the only one that I was aware of that I did weird, but apparently they're all over the place. Listen, Please, the world is full of, of possibilities for you. Every every day is a new opportunity to make fun of you. <laughs> Great. Um, we are in Eric Silver's birthday month on the pod this time around. Yeah, we are. You would have been approaching your 18th birthday, if I'm doing the math oh. right. Yeah. Uh, 1979 to now. Yeah. 18? 18. Yeah. Wow. It, well, this is around... I love t- how I always tell you, like, you were in this grade. You were this age. And then you always take the minute to do the math in your own head of, like... <laughs> Aaron can't even say Massachusetts right. Well, I, you know, I lived it, and I'm just doing the the check. We need QC on this podcast. Um, yeah, Joe's I, job. What's that? That's Joe's job. <laughs> the errata. Um, we we accidentally been saying KFAB a lot. 
Uh, also, I should say, by the way, General Hawk was wearing a general's helmet, like a probably a brigadier general's helmet, not an MP helmet. Um, I just recently listened to our our episode that released, episode 16, where we spent a lot of time talking about the G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> um, and I, I felt bad about getting that wrong. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, so December 7th was uh, probably around the time where I was getting... A Hanukkah present that was also my birthday present. So because yeah, that's when you have a December birthday and you live in my family. I don't know because I think there were probably other families that do it differently, but my family definitely did the "we'll get you one big present," and it was never the size of two small presents or you know two normal presents. Do you remember what that present was? No, absolutely not. Um, this is probably around the time where I like. There's a very clear time in my life where I remember just not being able to come up with presents that I wanted. Um, It was, you know, there was a probably like when Nintendo came out and Genesis came out, I was like, I want those things. And then after like later on in life, I was just like, I don't know, um, money stuff. So definitely not. Okay. Do you remember what you guys got for your 18th birthday? Uh, I'm going to save that for... uh... My 18th birthday episode of the book. Whoa. Wow. Okay, two years from now, we're going to find out. <laughs> I can't believe you got to see Corn twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was my own boat, and I told them I don't like waking up early. We've also got Bobby Hankinson, who you've already heard. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Aaron. How was 1997 treating you? Oh, jeez. So I'm 12? That sucks. Was 98 going to be better? Um, A little bit. It'll take a real dive in 2000 again. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll look forward to hearing about that. <laughs> But first, welcome to Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. We are here for a dog shit pay-per-view. Oh boy, just utterly garbage. You know, you know when when you were like, oh, get ready for Degeneration X, I thought you kept, I th- like, I you probably meant the faction, but I also was like, man, you must have been, you must have been hype, hyped for this pay-per-view. And holy shit. Yeah, we'll get to all that. Um, I think we need to start by talking about Degeneration X, the faction, a little bit? Yes, I'd love to. So um, when we first, you know, encountered Stone Cold Steve Austin, you you posed the question, right? Um, you know, what do you think about him? What do you think about the double, the double middle fingers, all of that stuff? And I was like, eh, it feels a little stupid. I got to say I'm warming up now. <laughs> it's getting better and better every time. I currently hate DX. I... I feel like this is going to be one of those things where, uh, similar to when we talked about Kane, uh, where you guys are like, you're probably going to, you're going to be like, they're they're actually pretty good, they're pretty cool, and I think it's going to be because something down the road, like you have to, I feel like you have to like sleep on it with a lot of the the gimmicks that come up in WWF around this time because they're they're still kind of I think figuring it out or they you know they're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. But like right now, I fucking hate it. I hate. Well, let's get. We'll get yeah. into the uh, to to the individual parts of the faction in just a second. Just want to do a little recap of what's going on with Degeneration X first. They've been very busy stemming from the events at SummerSlam. Sean has told the crowd that Brett has run away to be with the dinosaurs in WCW, and intimates that his buddies Kevin Nash and Scott Hall will be happy to beat the shit out of him there. By this pay-per-view, though, they're looking different from their inception. On the November 24th episode of Raw, DX was let out by Handsome Harvey 
Harvey Whippleman in Rick Rude cosplay. Why was that, Bobby? I actually don't know. So Rick Rude left because he was mad about the screw job. Right. So he oh, left the WCW. Wait, oh, I thought he had just left because he had to go to the WCW. He was actually mad about the screw job? Yes. But he also wasn't a fully contracted employee at the time. Um, he was working on an appearance basis, but then he went to WCW and like did this whole thing where he appeared the same night on Raw and Nitro uh, because Raw was taped in advance and Nitro was live. And so he was able to be on a taped episode of Raw and show up on Nitro live to talk shit about Vince McMahon and, and DX and how it's the worst gimmick. And in real life, Rick Rude did not like working with Shawn Michaels. He was a big, he's a close friend of Bret really? Hart. Yeah, and he was very I feel professional. Like I remember seeing some documentary somewhere where Rick Rude was like friends with Shawn Michaels, and he was like, "Hey, we're doing this thing. Why don't you come out I was and do just, a thing with us?" I was just reading this in uh, one of the wrestler biographies earlier today because mm-hmm. they were saying that he didn't get along with that. He was all professional, but he didn't like hang out with them the same way he hung out with that. He yeah, was a close friend because in a previous episode, I think you talk about how he was like friends with with with. Um, I might, must be wrong. Shawn Michaels. All right, well, it happens. I guess he was better friends with Bret Hart. Why not join the Hart Foundation? He could be an insurance salesman for them. Okay, well, we'll never know. But that uh, him, but his appearance on Raw and Nitro the same night is one of one of the major moments I would say mm-hmm. within the Monday Night Wars, where just kind of like WCW poking at, oh, you don't like this product that tapes things like days in advance oh well come to our product because i'm pretty sure they taped the next two episodes of raw um back to back the Mm -hmm. night after the screw job so they were still kind of like scrambling to figure out and put all the pieces together for what was going on here wait so that's why the raw after so when we talk about the big vince mcmahon speech bread screwed bread Mm -hmm. that's why it was a week later because It was they had pre-taped the show after, right? Oh, okay. So wait, did they? I forget what they addressed in the one right after. So they somebody knew when they were pre-taping. They knew what was going to happen to Brett. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember. So in the in the raw right after the screw job, yeah. Do they mention what happened to Brett? Do they mention, like, how... They don't mention anything about... No, the Raw that happened right after uh, Survivor Series was taped the day after Survivor Series. But they also taped the following weeks immediately after it. That's what you mean. Okay, so they... It was pre-taped in the sense that it was taped earlier in the day. It wasn't, like, a week earlier. No. I was like, that... That's crazy. Okay. Yeah, especially nowadays, considering how all that information would get out. And even once SmackDown eventually starts airing, I remember reading spoilers on the internet as early as, like, 2000 of what was going to be happening on SmackDown later that week. Yeah. So that same night, Shawn Michaels told the audience that Brett is still under contract until the end of November. And as the night goes on, we see a limousine pull up to the arena... And as Shawn Michaels announces Brett Hampman Hart and Shawn Michaels one-on-one airing their business, all my fears surrounding the mini division came true as a little person dressed as Brett enters the arena. They do a reenactment of the Montreal Screwjob, they slap a WCW sticker on his ass, and they throw him out of the ring. 
They are then confronted by Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and Sean points out that he was the charismatic one in the Hart Foundation. He's basically been eating shit in Brett's shadow and offers him a place in Degeneration X. Neidhart accepts, but is almost immediately backstabbed and humiliated, including the following week where he's hit with a chair, has WCW spray painted on his back, and is handcuffed to the ring ropes. So I get what you're saying, Eric. Um, obviously, there's a lot of shit attached with Degeneration X, but also I feel like the Neidhart angle, while very improbable that he was going to turn on his brother-in-law this quickly, still was pretty well executed for them. Yeah, I, I was fine with the Neidhart stuff. I thought that was, you know, I thought that was pretty good, especially like Neidhart didn't really have much of a role leading up to all of this. So it was kind of, you know, it was kind of cool to see them like find the guy who had the lowest profile out of the Hart Foundation um, and kind of like get into it with him. I think more of my issue was just like the execution of DX mm-hmm. in that um first of all oh god where do i start well let's pour one out for the sexy boy song because that's gone uh he is no longer a boy i thought we weren't saying pour one out anymore we're too worried about people actually dying oh god you mean from from (laughs) wrestling yeah (laughs) true okay we (laughs) Let's uh, keep it in our glasses for Sexy Boy. But yeah, that's gone. Instead, we get what is like, is it like Ugly Kid Joe doing their best Rage Against the Machine impression? It's definitely someone doing their best Rage Against the Machine impression. It was pretty bad, and they play it all of the time. So I have no choice but to love it. That's going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Get used to it. I kind of like the song. I do, too. (laughs) Ugh. Um, I you also... tried to tell us what to wear, and the video is like actual like riding and strippers. It's well, like, yeah, because with the, the video, we need to unpack exactly what Let's the video. Break down the video. The video has strippers. It's got people running over cars from like an. It made me think of um, shit. Uh, the Running Man when Arnold Schwarzenegger's in the car and they're like mowing down the people. Or in the He's chopper. In the chopper, yeah, chopper, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, yes, for sure. I, I, I actually was writing down. I was like, so what are Degeneration X? Are they rioters? Are they uh, strippers? Are they hackers? Are no, they there's doing? definitely a computer. Key yeah, for sure, hackers. It's Sean. He's hunting and pecking. He's right. in the AOL chat room. He got a lot better at it. Also, they got rid of this in later ones, but I think in one of the first um, like video montages that they did for DX. Uh, it looked like they included the OJ Bronco chase. It does look like that. I think they did. I think it is. There was definitely a white Bronco, and I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, they're just like, we want stuff, edgy stuff. Yeah. You tried to tell us not to run. Do you think that they got like the same uh, people who made the Raw is War opening? Yep. And we're yeah. just like, yeah, do sure more do. Yeah, uh-huh. of this. Yes, definitely do. It, it was okay. So yeah, so I guess my my problem is like the, the I think that that video is cool, and yeah. I think that that song was cool and is still kind of cool. When I was twelve, cool. this was the coolest thing I've ever seen. But then they're <laughs> but then they're countering it with like them like flicking their boogers and like yes wearing like the spit shields and the yes. spit I like you like the spit shields with the with the windshield wipers oh man I call them they're the carrot top of factions 
because they've got so many gimmicks. Like they just like they they're trying to be really edgy and cool, but they're like a bunch of old dudes that are like going. They're like, not old. That one, this that we're watching. But well, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is a thirty-two year old year old man trying to um, appeal to twelve-year-old Bobby Hankinson and succeeding and usually succeeding and yes. always succeeding. <laughs> God, it's it's just like they're they the way they do like the way he they okay first of all the the really fast cutting of the of the dx montage where they do that plus they combine it with the entry with yeah. showing the, with the live feed yeah. was it's, killing it's, me it's horrible it was yeah. disorienting yeah, yeah. it's so hard it, it 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 just assaults my eyes and then oh my god some of the clips like the there's that one the one clip where um uh Triple H and Shawn Michaels are like they're at the ringside and they're doing the what what like that was a thing that they like used and then the the really really dumb Shawn Michaels like like almost like the golf clap suck it as he's walking down the the ramp like suck it suck it suck it it just as a forty I guess as a forty year old it's just really rough like none of it resonates with me as like. Cool. The one that I, I will say though, uh, some of their bits are pretty funny. Not obviously not the. Hold on, I feel like you're you're contradicting yourself. What... Well, no. What I'm saying, I, I think what I'm saying is like again, the what they start out with is usually like pretty shitty, and then as they develop it, you can find things to hang on to. So, was the Bret Hart thing bad? Of course it was bad. Side question: Do you think that was one of the minis like? that they found like was that was that max mini was that nova i have no idea i was very curious yeah but then i think the bit that really i was like you know what that's a funny bit was um sean michaels in the wheelchair did you see this okay yeah we'll get to that one later okay okay anybody have anything to say about this opening package for this one okay because i thought it was pretty i mean pretty much just the degeneration x video again yeah Yeah, they're really all in on it and I was really it, it, like, I was just like, man, they just are like, they're just bought fully into DX. They're going to name a whole thing for it. They're going to like have it as their like the, what is it? The, it almost like a, a cut, the transition between like when they do, when they do um, instant replays, that was, they would show the DX thing hmm. in between. I forget what you would call that, but like. It was on everything. Oh, yeah, like the bumper there. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, yes, yeah, this is their pay-per-view. Yeah. Ugh. And this is their moment. Okay. We started off with Brian Christopher versus Takamishinoku. This is the finals of the light heavyweight championship. Too Sexy is built as the heel of the division. Um, he scores the victory in his first round with help from a Lawler cheap shot, and he wins the semis by forfeit after Kane runs through Scott Taylor. Um I know we're going to see a repackaged Scott Taylor soon. Is there anyone else from this tournament that we should be paying attention to, Bobby? Um, Aguila was the only other one that, that you'll see again. He'll get repackaged um, under a different gimmick soon. Uh, a whole different character. Um, and he will also, that character will also not be super successful, but the valet that debuts with that character will go on to be a Hall of Famer. I thought that the Aguile Taka match was pretty good. Well, yeah, I think all the the matches in this tournament here were pretty like straightforward affairs, just like wrestling. 
uh, I was less into the Scott Taylor and like I was less into the whatever the right side of the um, of the bracket was. I was mm-hmm. more into the Taka matches. Um, but yeah, no, I thought you know it, it was very straight wrestling. It was very much like you know just a bunch of guys just you know gutting it out against each other. Also, are they? It they're really trying to make too sexy Brian Christopher a thing, and it's such a it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Oh, it will. <laughs> okay. Yeah, roll off the tongue like uh, his biceps. Ugh. Like there's the bicep kiss. And then he's just like full on French, like I'm getting in there. I was surprised how much heat this match had, like that the crowd was so into it. I mean, I think it's a credit to how good Taka is. I think how good both of them are. I think Brian Christopher does a really good job generating heat here. I agree. I don't. I think he did it. I I don't didn't take anything away from him, but I think it's all the Taka's big moves, all those big spots that are like really lit up the crowd. Because he was gorgeous spots in there. I love his finisher. The, the Mission the, of Who Driver. Oh my God, it's so good. It looks dangerous, but obvious. But it looks. But obviously, I think it's not. But it just looks like something that, like, it looks like Owen Hart doing a bad uh, tombstone. It's um, it's weird that the Mission of Who Driver is now kind of like the DDT, and it was somebody's finisher for a long time, and now it's just a move that yeah. someone can pull out of their arsenal. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. These are on two or five live. I feel like. Do you guys think I, I was trying to figure it out? I know how I feel, but Brian Christopher's mouth busted open for real. Or? I think it's for real. I thought bleeding. I think for real. You thought for real. So what? What shot do you think did it? I think he really did hit his mouth on he the hit, guardrail. Yeah, on the guardrail. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because he yeah he reacted too quickly to hitting like when he hit his face like he quickly checked his mouth like in a, in a way that felt too fast to be acted. Too fast, Brian yeah. Christopher. <laughs> I thought that. So I thought he was really, really bleeding. Was that? Was that? I forget because like there might have been another time where he was bleeding in earlier in the bras. I don't know. But there was. A, was this the one where where um, King was like? This is one part where where King is wiping the blood off yeah. of his sweet sweet boy. Right. Brian and King was like worried about whether or not he chipped a tooth or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This was like, it was. I I, I called this match a solid B. I thought it was like, or maybe maybe B B minus. Oh man, I, I really like this match, and I could have skipped everything before Stone Cold after this match. Yeah, we we getting a whole lot of shit after this, but uh, I, yeah, I agree with that. But I, I think I don't know. I are, are we grading on a curve then? So then, yeah, this would be like higher. Well, is it to the caliber of what we would see on like a two hundred five live these days? No, of course not. But with the time that it was. That um, German suplex recovery by Taka into that um, springboard plancha was a beautiful sequence. Um, Brian Christopher's powerbomb looks really strong. I like the way that they were selling speed versus brawn in this match. I think that this was was solid. I, I For the time even, I would give it an A-. minus. I think it'd be plus. I'll, I'll split the difference between you. I think it'd be plus. All right. Well, you know, Aaron's a very forgiving teacher um yeah i did have the the note about great springboard plancha great springboard moonsault i mean man he just he loves springboards and i love them too and just like kind of blowing past now the uh the mark marrow high flying things i think that 
that's the main thing to take away from the beginning of this light heavyweight division is now we've got actual people doing these amazing moves that don't look like oh shit i hope this works right before they perform each one so did mark marrow change his style kind of as a result of these guys getting more included i don't think it said you really had more to do with the gimmick change okay and it's just in general heels don't aren't usually high flyers because the whole point is that it, it electrifies the crowd too much. Right. Why don't they do that? Because they don't want the crowd to like them. Why don't they have a high-flying heel? Like, let's figure it out. Well, that's what happened. Uh, Neville was probably the last one I can uh, think of. Okay. No, but even Neville, once he turned heel, he... Did less. Did, he, he used a different finisher. The, uh, what was... What red was, Arrow. Yeah, the he Red Arrow. He switched to that submission instead. So that's, you know, that's why. I guess we need to talk about Los Bariquas versus Disciples of Apocalypse. I mean, really, though, do we? Yeah, do we have to? I want to know, why did you guys let me go so long by saying the Disciples of the Apocalypse? I, did, I, now... I, I do believe I did call you out in the last episode. On the last episode, yeah. yeah. But now I'm listening to all the old ones where I'm uh, the Disciples of the Apocalypse. But also, we need to talk about... Dota! What does Disciples of Apocalypse like mean? So you ever watch the X-Men? You know the big blue... <laughs> yes, yeah, they are his disciples. disciples of Apocalypse. Because disciples of the apocalypse would mean that they are like the ones who are responsible for like ushering in the apocalypse, but are they just disciples of the concept of apocalypse. <sighs> they should have just gone with disciples of Armageddon. It would have been similar. They wouldn't have. They're to... really Nobody devoted says... to that Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no one, yeah, no one ever says the Armageddon. I think it's fine. Um, I, my note about this was like. What what chapter in the history of Boricuas versus DOA are we in? Like this is like well, we're not because there was no build for this match other than they had a four corners match that was actually a four way elimination match um, that just turned into a brawl at the end. I feel like at this point they're just like any time we have some time to fill in the pay per view, we just take one of these factions. Put it against another one of the factions and kill fifteen minutes. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess my point on it was was that like I feel like I've seen this match a million times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt like there was nothing. I'm like, well, I, okay. I think I've seen all of this before. The only difference is that we don't have uh, um, crash. We had crush. So crush. Cru- crush. We don't have Crash the movie that won Best Picture. Well, this is actually the, the real story about racism right here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we had Crush. Well, we didn't have Crush, so we only they only had to mistake um, Eight Ball and Skull, and Chains was doing great for himself. The, the announcers not knowing whether it's Skull or Eight Ball was hilarious. Wait, it's wait, a- wait, wait. How have we gone this far in this conversation and not talk about the Barik was rapping their way to the ring? <laughs> I, I actually did. I'm sorry. I wrote. I wrote PG-13. It was war. It was. It was like you were walking through a mental asylum where everyone was. Just- <laughs> Muttering to themselves and rocking back and forth, but and they, it sounds like it's full of talking, but no one's making any sense. They were like very lightly, like <laughs> singing along. Like, oh, it was oh, deeply oh, troubling oh. to watch. Well, I feel like they came up with this entrance like the night before they practiced it once and were like, okay, we got it. Let's do it. We're off book. The way I felt about it was it was like. It was like their favorite song, and like they're those guys at the gym who like have their headphones in and are just kind of singing along to whatever they're like listening to. I went to see the Beatles movie yesterday, and I was sitting next to an insane person who was singing the last lines of all of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> Seventeen. 
what I mean beyond compare. I so another yesterday uh, story. One of oh, Talia's straight people. <laughs> one of Talia's best friends was like, she was like, yeah, I just went to see, um, I went to see that movie like forever, and when she's like, what? And she's like, you know that Beatles movie forever. And she was like, you mean yesterday? And I was like, is is your friend not a Beatles fan? She's like, no, she loves the Beatles. I'm like, did she not know that its title is named after a Beatles song? How do you come up with just forever? <laughs> you know, that famous Beatles song, Forever. When I think forever, I think of the uh, John Stamos cover of the Beach Boys song uh, on Full House. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, I thought he just did Kokomo with them. Did he no. do it forever? And he had yeah. a full music video. That was the really Jesse is. and the Rippers music video episode. I mean, I, I He's remember like that. He's like shirtless in the tub with candles, his babies. Lots of candles. Oh, I don't. I remember him playing with the Beach Boys. I don't. I, I just don't remember the actual song he sang when Jesse with Jesse and the Rippers. That was about bongs, right? <laughs> yes. It was actually about burgers and Rockaway. <laughs> yeah, this match is, is dog shit. And who cares? I feel like I, I could barely keep my eyes open through it. Uh, we do have to yeah. s- D. This is also F. sorry, <laughs> Eric Silver. Who before this episode, guys, we gotta watch the crosstalk. It's know, very I'm hard sorry. to cut. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, we also need to note. So Crush is not in this match. The um, the explanation is that Kane took him out on one of the recent episodes of Raw, but we will also not see Crush anymore. Is that right? I be- there might be like one house match. Wait. So. Crush um, really is said to be leaving again also for the Montreal screw job, but he does appear one more time on Shotgun Saturday night, which is like sort of like the main event show we have now. So I have a question. Wow. How many superstars did the Montreal screw job like cause to part ways? It wasn't a lot. Okay. I want to say this might be the full list. It would be like Brett, Bulldog. I mean, Brett, if you really count Brett, but Bulldog, Crush, Rick Rude. I feel like Mick Foley missed a raw and then felt really bad for it and called and apologized and resumed work. Did did Bulldog go to WCW? Yes. Okay. So was it was that planned already? No. Or oh, so he just because of it, he was like, I'm going. Basically because man was like, I'll let anybody who wants to go after the Montreal screw job. If you want to go, go. Okay. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Bulldog. You were a human in the in a dog's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> what? You were a human with a dog's brain. Did Crush take the fake head tattoo with him to WCW? <laughs> no, but I wish, I wish, I wish he put them on everyone. I would love to see people today wearing fake head tattoos. He gave it to Chains and goes, it's you now. Actually, do you, do you want to know what his, his gimmick was in WCW, Eric? What Crush's was? Yeah. I'd love to. Hear. He eventually goes on to play the demon, which is the Kiss-inspired wrestler. Oh, so he's doing like demolition again? But like straight up Gene Simmons face paint like comes out to Kiss music. Oh, like not just Kiss inspired, Kiss endorsed. Kiss branded. Oh, oh. So they were like, oh, well, because Kiss was very big into like. Well, doing... Kiss is big into everything. Well, they were big into into merchandising. Yeah, and so oh. like they had their own comic books and action figures and everything like that. And so this and a went along biker. With yeah, exactly. Oh. That's well, because this guy. I mean, would you say demolition was sort of like a, a a proto? They were kind of like dealing with like kiss 
I'll kiss look. I always think of them more as like, well, yeah, I guess so. But I mean, I think of them as like S&M leather daddies. But did they have like white? Yeah, they did the face paint. Stuff. They did the face paint. Yeah, silver and red. Yeah, I, yeah I mean, no, I like, yeah. I, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. So maybe he was just like, guys, I made it work once. I can do it again. All right, well, so the the so DOA is now run by. Ch- do you think Chains is ready for it? I don't know if he was ready to assume the mantle. Yeah, to to, to take the crown of of the disciples of apocalypse. Yeah, it's. I feel like this is going to be a good um, story about. It's like the once and future king. We all know the the three riders of the apocalypse: Skull, Eight Ball, Chains. <laughs> Skull and or Eight Ball. <laughs> Okay, we've definitely talked about this match. Yeah, oh this, my god, this, this pay per view is just not much. Oh, and this next one isn't much better. Okay, all right. Here's a little personal, a little peek behind the curtain from me. Um, I'm a little jet lagged. I've been traveling. I get up this morning at six a.m. and I'm like, I don't want to be awake yet. So I roll myself a little spliff, smoke a spliff this morning at six a.m. and I was like, I might as well watch this pay per view now. Smoking a spliff, watching this pay per view, taking my notes, being very meticulous, and I wrote a note. Los Bariquas are rapping now. Note, I did spell rapping with a W first. <laughs> Never Whoa. mind that. Here's where it gets better. Like Christmas rapping. Yes. Then we have a promo before the next match with our man Butterbean, which I thought was hilarious. When they asked him a question, he goes, I don't want to talk about that. And it's like, that's not the point of the promo. <laughs> so I went, but here's, here's where it all comes together. Is I meant to make a note about that, but what I wrote without thinking is I also wrote just below Bariqua's Butterbean is rapping now? Also, <laughs> rapping spelled wrong again. the <laughs> <laughs> notes and I was like, what was I talking about? But that's what I meant. Maybe every before every episode, we just send you six hours ahead and then... You live there for a couple days, and we bring you back just to see, like, what we get from your brain. Yeah, it was an experience, y'all. Um, okay, so I was watching the the, the Raws, the Butterbean buildup. You know, like, obviously, uh, it, we've seen it a million times, right? It's always, like, the this this famous athlete is, is like, watching. He's apparently, uh, like, going to every... Raw. He's got his best '90s Coogee sweater. Holy shit! He had a Cosby sweater and the the. No, that was a Biggie sweater. Was that a Biggie sweater? Yeah. His pants were like confetti parachute <laughs> pants. He looked like he came out of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like, well, he's credits. wearing exactly what semi-famous boxer in quotes Butterbean um, would be wearing in 1997. Yes, he he looked a little bit like Sinbad. Yes, I hated all this shit so much as it, when I was watching this the first time. And this is someone who enjoyed DX, so if that lets you know like my taste level. Mm. But like I didn't sign up to watch boxing. Yeah, because boxing is boring. You know what's more boring than boxing? Fake, Fake fucking boxing. boxing. <laughs> the only thing I said about boxing is that they're really beating the shit out of each other. And so if they're not doing that, then what the fuck am I watching? Yes, I agree. This was this was this was um uh LARPing boxing. Yeah, I've seen children with like um rock'em sock'em inflatable fist things go at it with more entertaining intensity than these two motherfuckers. 
the funny thing was in the Butterbean promo, everything you're right. Everything Butterbean said was literally like, "I'm not here to cut a promo." <laughs> but what the guys? I don't want to talk about that. At one point, like, <laughs> <laughs> he said like such a big baby. It was so funny. Well, he is a big baby. Look I don't want to talk about it, Kevin Kelly. Where? But but what Kevin Kelly says was he was like. You just did a pay-per-view last night. Like you you boxed the undercard for I forget what, what match it was, but he he boxed the undercard. And then I was like th- that was the one thing that impressed me. I was like, "Oh, you know what? That's actually an impressive athletic feat to I mean, this match was Well, then you terrible. see it though and you're like, "Never mind." Actually. <laughs> yeah, like he was he was definitely like letting himself gas up, but the the fact that he was able to actually box and then the next day come in and like do a bunch of shit uh like if you came to me and were like hey do this one athletic feat and then the next day can you do like another like half athletic feat i'd be like go fuck yourself i'm going to be watching tv all day <laughs> yeah like after i do a half marathon i don't even run oh, the next day. we get it i run i'm pretty good at it. um yeah, no. It but that's we're only terrible. talking half the story at this point now because so the story the build for this is Butterbean is sitting in the audience and then Mark Marrow is mad that Sable is getting the attention and then Butterbean waved at Sable, which was enough to incense the ire of Mark Marrow. By the way, there was a in one of the Raws, they talk about an incident where Sable almost died. Because Sable was with her horse and got kicked by her horse. Her horse, Mark. Right. Her horse, Mark, Mark's fist. And uh, got got kicked in the eye and got a black eye. I hate to bring this up um, with the specter of domestic abuse being introduced to this very moment. But I also wanted to pause and say that we all can agree that Mark Marrow did get hot, though, right? <laughs> he got super hot. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Now, back to what you were saying. Uh yeah, this is something that uh, will not go away. So buckle up for this. Couple questions. One, is this kayfabe? A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So yeah, so yeah. the whole thing. She was she wasn't actually it, even kicked by a horse. She's, she's no, totally I, fine. No, I know, but also she wasn't actually hit. And by yeah, a horse. No, 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 and, no. And I definitely did a lot of research. There is no issues as far as domestic violence in their real life relationship which will end but i mean get at least no allegations yeah, yeah. so when we talked about mark marrow in the past you were kind of like oh well well what he did with sable was bad so you meant story-wise yeah oh okay because i was like maybe they did have an abuse i mean no, here's no, no, the thing no, no, no. i i feel like my 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 best guess on this is that after you know they're already dealing with vince having a black eye so they're like you know what you know who should really have a black eye is sable and like it just got you know it got into the back of their head and they were like let's let's introduce this into the story i mean as much as uh, like the everything in the violence and it's very disturbing and it's never okay the idea that marrow who has always struggled to get over who has not who never fully got over yeah um was out with an injury for so long. Sable is hugely over. So over they're like making things up for her to do during the shows when he's out. Like that's why I think he made reference at some point to her selling Stone Cold t-shirts because yeah. she would literally yeah, be like Undertaker she'd shirts. be like the the shop girl. She would like come out and model it and not like look at the sexy lady in the shirt buy it. Let's not forget um, that she saved us all from the evil Dr. Madman <laughs> and his laser tag battles. 
How do we know that he was evil, though? His name was just Dr. Madman. I feel like the evil part was just somebody... Implicit you know, bias. Yeah, that was that was just somebody, you know, um, opinionating. But uh, I do think that makes a lot of storytelling sense. And I do think it's, like, a, an angle to explore. And the, the they push some limits with this story coming up. I meant editorializing, by the way. Um, yes. Uh, it, yeah, and then they were like... They were like they half-assed it a little bit because they were like, the audience doesn't know she got hit by a horse, so they got the wrong impression. It was like they didn't want to fully imply that she got, like, abused by Mark Marrow. They just kind of wanted to be like, well, you know, she just fell down the stairs. Like, she's just clumsy. And the audience doesn't realize they might have the wrong idea about this guy. And then, of course, he's just like, all the different times that he's just literally abusing her. I fucking hated it. It's a terrible storyline. Well, buckle up. Great. But yes, he does look hotter. Hit, thank you. But also, Sable in like that wrestler or the boxing outfit. Ooh. Oh, I'm yeah, hottest, she hottest she has looked. Sable is Sable was one of the biggest stars on her. I mean, like, it's truly incredible. I'm very excited to like get to the point. And I remember I was such a Sable fan from the beginning. Uh, and then as she gets even more prominent, it's, I used to be like, I remember the first PlayStation video game she was in. I was so excited on the back. There was, there was the only women that were in it, I believe were Sable in China. And it was, I, I thought it was like, the coolest thing. So I never mm-hmm. had a video game with women in it, except for, uh, Luna Vachon, who would get you soon, oh. was in an earlier, um, WWF Monday Night Raw Super Nintendo video game that was dope as shit, and I almost want to go home tonight, download an emulator on my laptop, and play <laughs> it again. Okay. So, but to describe what actually happened in the ring. <sighs> so this was not even a wrestling match. This was a tough man competition. Because which... they can't legally say boxing. Well, it's boxing unlicensed. will give them a license, yeah. It's unlicensed boxing. So it's a tough man competition. It's four it's rounds. Four rounds. Two minutes each? Yeah. And it's just basically uh, Mark Merrow kind of like shuffling his feet like Shane McMahon while Butterbean comes like lumbers over to him and like kind of throws his arm in Mark Merrow's general direction repeatedly. Um, they also they did a lot of they they tried to hit a lot of the beats of boxing. They were like the tail of the tape, mm. and they were like what 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 is this guy's measurements? What's his reach? What's his weight class? And it's just like. First of all, yeah. the weight is off by a hundred pounds. <laughs> That's not how a boxing match goes. Uh, and then they also, my favorite favorite thing, they did trunk IDs. They were like, uh, the the boxer in or the tough man in the in these like red and white and blue is Butterbean. I'm As like, if you oh. couldn't tell who <laughs> was fucking Butterbean, right? Like if you're watching you're this at these two, if you can't tell which one of them is named Butterbean. <laughs> You've got some problems. Oh, Butterbean, is that the hot cut guy who, like, is really, like, just, like, you know, looks like he's not fat at all? Smoldering, yeah. Really lean? But still with shades of Little Richard. Yeah, it still comes through. It's a a natural look about him. Also, why did they put the Everlast shit on the... Like, they were really... Everlast must have paid a a shitload of money. That's insane. So they they, they would get, like, a return on investment on something that literally is guaranteed for everyone to hate. For fake boxing. Boxing fans will hate it. Wrestling fans will hate it. Like, it's the dumbest thing I hated Did people hate it? Yes. Historically, people reacted terribly. I don't... I I, I believe so. I know I did. And I was such a mark that I believe that I'm sure everyone would... And it also leads to one of the worst... I didn't want to... I didn't even want to go into that. Yeah, I just want... uh, 
There's not the end of our boxing wrestling um, cursed romance, but oh, so that's there's all. more of this stuff. Wait, is Butterbean gonna be like a mainstay? No, but Thank be- God. but the the alternative isn't much better. Believe me. Um, okay, so a couple things. Uh, Butterbean's entrance music sounds like the the blues sax from like a John Grisham movie. Why should everybody care about Sable? Maybe like a like a comedy from like the the eighties or nineties. Danny DeVito is about to explain to young Matt Damon how to be a lawyer. <laughs> also, did you guys notice that like Mark Merrow looks a lot like Glass Joe when he gets hit and falls? He was know, like, did, didn't Butterbean look like uh, King Hippo? Yes. No. Yes. Wait. No. Wait. Who is Mark Merrow? He's not Glass Joe. Is he Von Kaiser? Is he the Flamingo I didn't get guy? that far. Von Kaiser was the second guy, wasn't oh, he? I didn't get that far. No. <laughs> he might be. No, I mean, in looks-wise, he might be Von Kaiser. Or he might be um, who, uh, the Tiger? No. Or, or No. No. He might be Von Kaiser. But I just mean in terms of how he takes a punch and how he falls. He did that kind of like. I feel like he's Don Flamingo with a mustache. Yeah, well, Don Flamenco is Glass Joe. No, look at Don. Look at that looks like Simon Gotch from the Vaudevillians. Nope, nope, too, nope, not not right, not correct. He's got too yeah, he's got too much of a of an English dandy vibe to that guy, or like an English not a dandy, but like an English shoreman. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? I don't know. I'm opening DeviantArt. I'm a little nervous. That guy. Which guy? Like an unbald version of oh, that bald guy. Oh, bald bull? Yeah, he's like an unbald version uh, of him. Mm-hmm. I would rank most like him. Um, yeah, I'd say most like him. So maybe, maybe what I meant to say was when he gets hit and he like falls, he like gets hit and his body straightens fully out and he just like goes fully down. Like he he looked like he was watching Punch Out. Yeah, like boxing, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is some bullshit. It fucking sucked. <laughs> it was like, what are we even doing here? They tied ropes. They tied. They had like the the strings between the ropes, and then like there were a couple. Then like. There were a couple times that there were some sort of wrestling moves, and I was like, "What is happening?" It was this was a mess. I cannot believe it lasted as long as it did. It was fully a torture to watch. And then we get to follow that up with Goldust reading Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna let Bobby collect himself for a second and talk about what how we got here. So this is coming off of a really good Vader Goldust feud. Vader's still pissed off that Goldust didn't participate in the Team USA versus Team Canada match at Survivor Series, and he wants a match. Goldust instead hits him over the head with a hammer. Then the following week, Goldust is wheeled out Baby Jane style (laughs) into the ring with a nurse 
who, when Vader comes out and attacks him, the nurse throws alcohol in Vader's eye, and it's revealed that he that the nurse is in fact Luna Vashon. Her his his new paramour. I don't know how they, I don't think that they're really into labels, so it's hard <laughs> well, to they're into say. one label because Luna then labels him the artist formerly known as Goldust. That very timely P- Prince reference. I think this is great, but can you continue? Oh, I think it's great too. Okay, I think that this is great because she then pulls the ball gag out of his mouth with her mouth, and they start licking each other's tongue. After did the divorce with Terry happen immediately after this? I don't think so. Because I would be like, absolutely never, ever again. This is awesome. This is like so them throwing so much shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yes. And the fact that like he goes as far as he goes with this, it's amazing. This gimmick is great. Can you describe the outfit that he's wearing as he's reading Grain Eggs and Ham? He's wearing a long wig and he's got, it's like a pink and it's, it's like lacy, latexy bondage gear. He's on a leash that Luna Vachon's holding. Her face is painted like gold dust. And it's... He's using, like, a very lispy voice. For only one of the voices. He He's he's doing Green Eggs and Ham, but he's doing both voices. So yes. The, the, um, the I do not want Green Eggs and Ham is the I do not want Green Eggs and Ham. Yep. He's going... He's committed to it fully, and the crowd hates him. <laughs> if, if the crowd... was, If it was, like... Everyone gets a knife night. Like, he would be murdered. <laughs> there were 13-year-olds, literal 13-year-olds, chanting the F slur That was, him. no, I have my notes. Like, it honestly was, like, uh, not to bring down the room, but it was that was, like, deeply disturbing. Yeah. Because it was, usually, it's, the, it's, you know, the arena chanting faggot, which I know sounds, it sounds in your mind logically like that would be worse, more people, but it becomes that sort of anonymous chorus sound of, like, it's... But this was specifically like you know in a horror film trailer, they're like, "What if we take a regular pop song and then have a melancholy <laughs> version <laughs> sung by a children's choir, and it's suddenly so much worse?" That's what this felt like because it was just little kids going faggot, faggot, and I was like, "Oh my!" It, it, it literally felt like two gold dust coming for you. It felt like a fucking nightmare. It was horrible. But in terms of uh, generating heat, claps. That this was. It was madness. It was terrible. Even like recaps. Now looking back, I was reading some like recaps and stuff and some bloggers. And they all are, like, still so mad about this. But even as you're reading it, you're like, oh, you're actually still marking out for this. Ah. Like, you are still, you're that fucking 13-year-old chanting faggot Why are still. they so mad? Just because they're like, this is the, everyone was so incensed that this was so bizarre and, and, and inappropriate. And they're still, like, mad in the way that they were supposed to be mad. Like, it's, it was, I was surprised by how marky people were, like, decades later. Here's, here's my reaction to it, because I had a lot of strong reactions. I don't know if I was marking, I don't know what, but I felt like this is one of those things that, like, this whole arc that he's taking... And maybe there, maybe maybe it is an artistic thing that is that I should be appreciating. But my my visceral visceral reaction to it was like to be like, you are literally just being bizarre in any way you can think to be. And I, I and like when he did this, I was like, oh, he's going full Dada. This is Dadaist, like completely. And I was like, okay, 
is do I trust the artist? Is this a Mick Foley thing, or is this just a guy who doesn't know what the fuck to do and always just paints his face in a different fucking pattern and like ah, I'm just gonna do crazy shit? I, I don't know. I I would guess. I do, I do not think he's as brilliant as Mick Foley to like really do the true arts that Mick Foley does. Right. However, what I appreciate about Goldust is he wants this so fucking bad. Yeah. And he will do whatever. Even if he doesn't know what to do, he will do anything to get there. Yes. And this is so close to brilliance that it's still remarkable. That he's like, not only, because I think it, you're right, he's bizarre, it's whatever. But it's also very specific. It is like I'm doing a bunch of seemingly unconnected things, but this is such like a 90s, the bright colors, the neon, the bondage wear. Like, it actually is a pretty refined vision, considering. It's not like he's wearing like Ace Ventura, a tutu, and like weird hair, and like a that, and like eating dog food. He's doing and, S&M, like, S&M club, club kid shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, which is a pretty specific choice. And a bold choice for a pro wrestler like Dusty Rhodes' son, like this fucking big old hoss from Texas, to be like choosing as his wrestling gimmick. There's a lot of things that I, I find really, I did find really interesting, and I noted as I was going, which was like, for one, his his state of convalescence kept increasing. It was like he was heightening how. Well, in the raw lead-ups, when he said that his broken arm had spread to his entire body, and he was now a paraplegic. <laughs> And he made Michael Cole cross his legs for him. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny. Yeah, like every each thing was like he was getting worse and worse. Uh, Luna Vachon looked like Heath Ledger as the Joker in the third act of uh, of, of Dark Knight. I don't know. I I, I don't. There probably sure there is one. I want to get a fucking biography of her because she just. I feel like she must be the weirdest. Like she's a a, a second. I believe a second generation. Competitor. Oh, really? Her father was, uh, I, I think, I believe it was a Mad Dog Bajan was was the wrestler. Okay. So she's like, she's the one who like grew up in it. Like she's like a fucking legit carny, basically. She's like the Terry Funk of like female wrestling. Yeah, I mean, she's she's a straight up carny. She's a carny. Like that's it. Like she like this is like her way of life. Yeah. Um, and I think that's bad fucking ass. Yeah. No, I there's a lot. Of, okay, I'll talk about her in a second. Um, I do want to say that uh, the third outfit that Goldust wears in the raws um so he he starts with um he starts with the the cast and i think he i forget uh, you know he's wearing something crazy but it's nothing that that crazy then he's in a um then he's got a pajama top with uh lace um or no like uh black stockings on okay yeah yeah yeah. and then uh the second time he's in the wheelchair and does he have hospital scrubs on uh, a pajama top, no bottoms, as far as we can see. The third one I love because he looked like one of those, you know, those the squeeze stress dolls that have like they're like almost like the the uh, crash test dummy squeeze test dolls that have like the eyes and the mouth that are like red. It's like a bald, it's a bald torso that's pink, and like when you squeeze it, the eyes pop and the mouth pops and the Got ears it, pop. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. That's what he looked like to me with the ball gag in. When he was wearing the the green pleather with the metal bra. Yes, and he had the and he had the um, the ball gag in. I was like, oh, he he looks a lot like that. Um, okay, now for I who- hope these kids are gonna make it. <laughs> I know they're not, but you know what? Looking back, 2019, it's kind of sexy. Um. That's the thing I think about Luna Vachon that is so interesting to me is I, like, 
with wrestling, you can really see the carny aspect of it because you're like, Luna Vachon, I think from the straight male perspective, is not exactly attractive to me. 1998 Aaron could she could get it from the head down. Right, yeah, from the neck down. Yeah. With you, the head down is everything. Yeah. <laughs> from the head down. From the, from, from the top of her head down to her toes, excluding just that one hair. There's we 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 saw that that um that movie at at Alamo where it was like the woman mm-hmm. who was like there was a, like a gorgeous woman who was like naked but she had a metal face like Destro and it was like a fucking weird ass movie and there's this idea of like a person who is like you know like like the Greek myth of like the attractive monster that lures you in. That's the vibe I get from her, if that makes sense. Totally fair. It's, she but, has she has a dangerous element that that makes that that in, that increases her attraction. That makes her a little bit that that like her, she's a special kind of appeal because there's like a danger element there that um, overrides maybe what might be typically your type. <laughs> this bit was like three minutes long on the pay per view, and I could talk about it for way longer than so many of these matches. Which I think it is a good indication of that it was a, a successful bit, even though it got the crowd amped up. I'm telling you, if you read recaps of this on the internet, everyone's like, this is one of the worst things that's ever been done. But like, totally. Absolutely not. There's the a, point. A, I could name eight worst things off the top of my head. I know right these that happened on wrestling this week in 2019. That <laughs> easily, easily. Back to actual wrestling in this Rex. <laughs> back to asshole. Back to asshole. Back to asshole. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back to actual wrestling in this wrestling show. Where? Road Dog, Jesse James, and Badass Billy Gunn have continued to work their way through the tag division. They take out Blackjack Wyndham backstage and then Bradshaw handicapped in a bunkhouse brawl. <laughs> Which, please, just call it a hardcore match. They then steal the Bariqua's jewelry, which I guess hides their power. They're then giving a title shot against the Legion of Doom. Um, when they first enter for that, we hear our first, Oh, you didn't know? That's, oh, you better call someone. I like it. Somebody, but yes. Better call somebody. The yeah. match goes as expected. The ref gets knocked out. Road Dog hits Animal with a chair when they go for the Doomsday device, and Billy gets the pin. The soon-to-be New Age Outlaws then haul ass out with the titles. Um, I'd like to point out that in the Raws between these pay-per-views, we learn the answer to our question, which is, what do LOD look like without their makeup? And it's weird. (laughs) Animal is the weirder one. Hawk looks basically normal. I don't know why Hawk is is not giving his hat to Animal, because... Hawk would look fine with just those like reverse with just the reverse um, mohawk, whereas Animal just there was so much stuff going on. He didn't even look like he had a mustache anymore. Yeah, his face kind of eats itself a little bit. It's so weird. I mean, was it as weird as this Legion of Doom promo that happened before the match? <laughs> there is nothing that I look forward to now in a match more than a Legion of Doom promo. I almost well, I almost well. I almost spent $32 on a Legion of Doom t-shirt today, and the only re- that was before shipping, ah! and the only reason I didn't was because they were out of my size. Wow. Wait, what did the shirt look like? It was cool. It had like a cartoon version of them. It said, what a rush on it. 
huh, okay. I'd be into that. If it was one of them going, well... Well, that's what I was looking for first. Yes. I gotta say, I really like this promo. I'm here with the Legion of Doom, Road Warrior Animal, Road Warrior Hawk, and gentlemen, I'm sure you have a lot to say about the travesty which occurred two weeks ago on Raw from Fayetteville. You were defending the tag team belts against the Road Dog and badass Billy Gunn, set for the doomsday device when Road Dog came in and hit Animal with a chair. They rolled over Hawk, and he picked up, uh, rolled over Animal, picked up the victory, and they took off out of the arena with the tag team belts like thieves in the night. And Animal, I'm sure you have a lot to say. Why everybody out there fans don't saw? There ain't no way any athlete here at WWF can beat us fair square. We've proven that time and time again. You ran like a couple of sissies. You hightailed out, got in your car, but you left one thing behind. We got our spikes back first. Then you took our titles. You are lucky to make it here tonight. We take pride in being the best that the WWF's got to offer. You two punks are going down. We're going to kick your teeth right down your throat. Tell them, Hawk. Well, Mr. Dog, Mr. Ass, you two remind me of a deeply embedded booger right up my right nostril and my fingertip. And its nail are just a little too short to get to. But I dig, and I dig, and finally I get that booger, and I get it in here, and I roll it around, and I flick it. Get ready to get flicked, because tonight, Road Dog and Mr. Ass, you are the equivalent of mine and his boogers. Uh, what a booger! When they when he calls him Mr. Dog and Mr. Ass, <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. That's great. That's very very funny. Uh, and then holy shit, Hawk! What is going? When Hawk tries to paint a picture, it just it's like Jackson Pollock. It's just like and what I'm saying is the boogers are a lot like you. What I'm saying is. As much as I've loved watching Austin throughout all of this, Hawk is really good. Wait, is he good? He's really good. Mm, I, I'd say he's really like something. Yeah, I think even as a child, I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> you bring out your monocle like, yeah. mm. I had like a cup of tea out of saucer. We're talking about like, two guys. Mm. I mean, at this point, they're, what, 35, 38 years old, probably? Easily. On Death's Door. <laughs> wrestling yeah. <laughs> yeah for yeah for hawk basically within a few years they're not cool they're not trying to be cool they're just saying shit and it's funny and it and for some reason it's connected with me okay i mean that's great uh, maybe you're finding your own mortality in them but uh yeah i mean like i don't here's the thing hawk was 40 Animal was 39. Oh. 37. So they're connecting more with me. Um, here's the thing. When you compare them to Stone Cold, especially on this pay-per-view after this week, this month of Raws, I can't accept it because, holy shit, when we get to the, the, the later match with, with Stone Cold, I mean, he's just amazing. We'll get there. So, like... When I hear their promo now, I'm like, these guys are great. Like, I I enjoy hearing from them, but, like, they, it is 
a lot of gobbledygook. Also, what a booger. <laughs> oh, what a booger. A deeply a embedded booger. booger. I, I like to sometimes um, predict what you're going to put in the intro in terms of what you're going to quote. And I really <laughs> thought you were going to go, what a booger. <laughs> Me too. I feel like Hawk's promos are almost like off limits because they're their own singular things. Okay, so I know it's easy to focus on all the booger stuff because that was the big stuff, but there's also some real little stuff in this promo to love. My favorite point is when Hawk was saying something about mine and his, but when he said it, he pointed to the wrong person. So he pointed ah. at him all and said, mine, pointed himself and said his, and it was like, it's little things like that that let me know this is not all on purpose. Not a visual medium. Some of it's just magic. And this is, that was great. That was my favorite part of that promo, which it's a little thing, but I really appreciated it. But then on the other side, everything is pretty much on purpose when it comes to what the road dog has to say. His welcome to Jurassic Park line is great. shit. He's so good on the mic. He's so good on the mic. But what are their outfits at this point? I'm so glad. I truly have no idea. And I wish I could say it ever gets better ever, literally ever with them. But it doesn't. Oh, it does. I don't think so. For one of them? I like that outfit. Well, you know I like that outfit. But they never make any sense. Okay, I'd love to talk about Billy Gunn because I wrote down that Billy Gunn dresses like in a movie when like an alien comes down to Earth and they're like, we need to disguise you. And he just like goes into a store with no chaperone (laughs) and has to pick out stuff. And he's just like, oh, and he ties something around his head and he wears like a half cut shirt. See, that's what I mean. I feel like Billy Gunn dresses like Hank Azaria's character in the birdcage. (laughs) (laughs) The one who can't walk in shoes. To me, I just kept seeing, like, uh, Encino Man. I dress like Billy Gunn now. (laughs) It's all crop tops, short shorts. But what is the pattern that goes down the legs and... This is, like, what I feel about when we talk about Jeff Jarrett later. When I'm like, what sort of Aztec god put a curse on you? Holy shit. I'm going to fight for Jeff Jarrett's outfit later. Just letting you know right now. Well, you know what? I'll be uh, you be marrow, I'll be butterbean, and we're gonna fight real slow about this. Oh, oh, good four one minute rounds. <laughs> what happened to you guys in the past thirty seconds? What? That's what butterbean was like fighting. Yeah, <laughs> no, but again, on our podcast where people can't see you. Listen, we let's let's accept that maybe this is a visual medium. <laughs> uh, before this match got started, we also learned that Marrow and Butterbean were on the superstar line, and Jerry Lawler yelled, "With each other!" <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, "Wait, are they gonna fucking talk to each other? Why? Why would we want this?" So funny. <laughs> I honestly, I, I think like. Lawler was in my head the whole time because everything he was saying, I was like, "Oh, a lot of this is like." Is like drawing on my thoughts. I mean, wait a minute. Not, not the bad shit. I loved shit. it. Just the stuff, yeah, just the, the reactions. But yeah, but the match was bad. Let's, uh, let, you want to run through the match a little bit? Sure. Oh, you want me oh, to? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember shit about it. It sucked. 
Well, it started with a really great, you know, we're used to seeing the the heels delaying in the start of a match. And I thought this felt a little different and was a little funny. Yeah. It was funny. Well, they were like, I'd run backstage and stretch again. Oh, I'm not ready yet. Oh, I'm sick. Oh. It was good. It was good. I, I liked that. I thought that was good. They're great. So, the so wait, to, to, to slow it down, uh, they come out. Uh, they're 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 coming in like they're hot, you know, like they're like they're gonna kick ass. And LOD comes outside the ring and is basically menacing them, and like they they look like they're gonna get their ass beat before they get in the ring. So they just like turn around, and that's when that's when we kind of are like Road Dog is killing it on the mic because like oh we just need to stretch some more, you know, blah blah blah. And so they do this like two times three times yeah and then until um it's like briscoe and all the people yeah. backstage are like pointing towards the ring as though they're like in pink floyd's the wall trying to point the artist towards the stage <laughs> yeah so then they're forced to go and then they're forced to wrestle and then i don't know the wrestling's fine Oh, this was a fine match mostly there's a part where um they're outside the ring and uh shit who was it who goes under the ring for the for the cooler i think it was billy gunn yeah so uh they they grabbed a cooler that was somebody was storing a cooler with refreshments so i also originally was like that's so dumb why is there a cooler and then it made sense it was on the side with the announce table and it does make sense they'd have a cooler of drinks for the the commentary people that actually did well because Lawler was like oh those That's are our soft Lawler. drinks <laughs> that I was like oh that because I had the same reaction I was like this is so stupid what's next a wet bar under the ring and I was like typing up my little angry notes why wouldn't they have it under their table because it's probably too big, and that table has to collapse. That thing is not... <laughs> first of all, A, that's, that thing is not that big. And B, that thing is, like, styrofoam. But the thing, also, my thing is, like, oh, you hit that, with that ice chest. I'm like, it's made of styrofoam and full of nothing. And then Lawler said that. Lawler was like, it's styrofoam. And I was like, holy shit, Lawler, you know. It's like, we've made a psychic connection. <laughs> yeah, because Lawler just starts, like... Ripping apart the entire, like, everything for wrestling. It's like, oh, that chair is gimmicked that he hit him with. <laughs> oh, they're actually friends backstage. I hey, saw him out last night. Hey, how long is this guy going to be in the WWF? What's his next thing going to be? Is he going to be a heel soon? He's just, he, he's going to be us. He, he time traveled briefly and became us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Road Dog did a worm pin. That was... Great, and I, I liked like how it. Jr. was like, "Well, it's unnecessary use of uh, energy and time." <laughs> yeah, Jr. is no fun. That's also how Jr. would describe our podcast. <laughs> Wasn't that actually a line from Footloose? <laughs> <laughs> right, it's illegal because it's an unnecessary use of energy. So, uh, I, I guess the story here is um, Road Dog and Badass trying to take advantage of the champion's advantage and. Just didn't seem very well executed. Yeah, we had a goblin come in, smash him in the head. Also happened. And then Hawk goes bucket crazy. And then Hawk goes bucket crazy and smashes the ref, and they win by disqualification, which is at this point, is it our second at this point disqualification of the night? Yeah. Yep. Oh, wait, no, because the disqualification comes late. We're it. So, so at this point, it's the second. Is it? What, yeah, marrow, was... marrow and Butterbean was disqualification. Oh, right. I, I wiped my mind. I think there might have been another one, too. Uh, what we're talking about? Oh, right. Not this match anymore? Uh, well, Henry, it ends with Henry Godwin interfering. Smashy, smashy, smashy. New Age Outlaws win. Great. 
Well, lose, but keep their belts. And that's I'm, what matters. I'm no, that... win. Never mind. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm surprised that Hawk didn't uh, put both of their butts in the bucket and make it into a lifetime latrine. He lifetime told us latrine. the story. First of all, Lifetime Latrine sounds like the name of a band that would have generously provided the, the track for the next NXT TakeOver. <laughs> <laughs> Ship me down inside. <laughs> Save me. We want to thank our friends in La- <laughs> lifetime, lifetime Latrine, latrine. <laughs> for providing the theme song to NXT TakeOver Baltimore. The name of the track is Die Another Time. <laughs> I was doing, like, what is it, Evanescence? The Wake Me Up. Yeah, every band is Evanescence. Oh, that's okay. At this point. Every, band, every WWF band is Evanescence, for sure. Worst songs. Jesus. Okay. So that break. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I. Tensions have been escalating wait. from the moment that Slaughter was named Commissioner. All the jokes about him spitting and his chin have escalated them, hitting with him with a briefcase and stripping him of his clothes in the ring. But apparently the thing that was too far was Helmsley saying something about his wife that I didn't even track when it happened. Oh, he's going to fuck uh, He's going to fuck his wife. He's not, yeah. Slaughter's not fucking his wife well, and he's going to fuck his wife better. Okay. Um... Triple H is all too happy to make repeated comments, though, about his big bazooka and his purple helmet standing at attention. Slaughter- also, his Lance Corporal. Oh, now I know why I was into this. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Slaughter then loses his goddamn mind. I'm pretty sure he, like, got electrocuted while watching Full Metal Jacket because he asks Triple H if he's ever killed a man with his bare hands. And in that moment, I truly believe that Slaughter has. I... I... Wrote in my notes, Slaughter's having a flashback. It was, <laughs> he was definitely there. Also, there's a ceiling fan over his head. <laughs> They're going to be having a boot camp match. Oh, Jesus. Please just call it a hardcore match. Jesus Christ. I thought it was food camp match, and I was like, <laughs> what's a food camp match, guys? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't fat enough, but like, I yeah. could have gone to food camp. I went to food camp as a kid, and there was not a lot of food there. <laughs> And have you heard about the Cobra Clutch? First of all, have we heard about the Cobra Clutch? Have we heard? Have we compared the Cobra Clutch to, let's say, a detonating a bomb? Because they did. Holy shit! <laughs> this entire package that introduced this match was insanity. <laughs> it was like, how much footage? Okay, at what point does the footage of former presidents stop being public domain? They were like, great. Eisenhower, the last one we could do. Okay, let's go Eisenhower backward. Okay, get everybody. No, they definitely did Lyndon Johnson also. Oh, yeah. they, they had, I saw Truman. And they, Day of FDR. Infamy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, and then Sergeant Slaughter. I was like, this tracks. Okay, I got it. Now, when they're introducing this match, Eric, you said earlier that D-Generation X is like Carrot Top. This was the moment where DX was fucking Carrot Top. Oh, yes. When Triple H pulled out the comb with all the middle things yes. missing yes. for him to comb his hair with, followed by the Metamucil uh, prunes, and I think Depends also. Yeah, um, also uh, pretty ironic that, that Triple H, who we, know, we now know what happens to his head later in life, has a comb that he can now use. <laughs> I was pretty into this. <laughs> Even today, I was like, this is a pretty good bit. 
Um, it was. It was. Well, you know it's not. Sorry. I was just gonna say it, it was just. It was a lot of, of just like uh, we're sitting around. How are we gonna make fun of? What, what can we do to make fun of Sergeant Slaughter? Like, uh, oh God, get me a comb. I got a great idea. Well, he is old and bald, and I have no real desire to watch him in a wrestling ring. No, he also. By the way, he also spits. I saw. I saw Slaughter cut Truth a promo. Truth in comedy. Yeah, I saw Slaughter cut a, cut a promo, and I was like, I see the spit coming out. Pretty good. Uh, how bad is Triple H's new shirt? It's bad, but this is the first time on a pair of he's being called Triple H. I yeah. know. But how bad is his shirt? It's bad. It's the... It, it, by the way, as we know, the degenerates love to reference Mel Brooks when they say, it's good to be the king. I like his shirt because it's like a brass H that looks like it's screwed into something and a little brass three screwed into something. And it looks like something if I saw well, it. It's like H cubed. Yeah. It's an H with like the little, yeah. but but it looks like it's brass and it's like screwed on. And it looks like the kind of thing that if I saw it on someone's store, I'd be like, oh, they're Jewish. That's beautiful. <laughs> like, <and> it looks- <laughs> but then we go to Sergeant Slaughter, who's screaming his head off. But the only thing that my eye can pay attention to is the fact that the band on his hat is sequined. I also clocked that. Bobby just, uh, did, I got on Bobby just did full praise hands on that. <laughs> I went around ASOS and I was like, Safari hat, sequin bad. Like, I need one. It was so cute. I didn't even notice That it. is my fucking look for fall. Safari faggot. I'm, I'm, it's happening. I cannot wait. Um, first of all, it's drill instructor. <laughs> F. I'm not going to say it. Thank you. It's our word. It's, it's us and Diesel. That's all I can say. It. <laughs> and all, all of the audiences in 1997. <laughs> and literally every 13-year-old child is like, fucking, <laughs> where are we, Milwaukee? God, Jesus. Well, we'll post some Spring, pictures. Oh, I forgot. We're in Massachusetts. Uh... Oh, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, Massachusetts. Well, we'll post some pictures of you this fall uh, when this premiere is probably November. I don't know. Um, I thought, look, I thought Slaughter had a good old school promo. It was like a very, it felt like a time, like a time warp, right? Like, I mean. Well, I I don't know, because Slaughter ends with, and I'm going to beat you down, and that's an order. That's not an order. Yeah, no, no order would be like that. I agree with that. (laughs) Like, you have to stand there while I beat you down? That's an order. But also, he's. There are, haven't there been other things where he's been like, and that's an order that we're. Hey, order. yes, and every single time I'm like, that's not an order. Hey, he's a sergeant. Show some respect, okay? This is like he's a commissioner. <laughs> this is like every time I go to the movie theater and um, they have the Coca Cola commercial before the movie where they say, "Hey, I'm um, David." Oh God, this is Sam- my film, and this is my film, and I just go, "It's not a film." I don't care what movie theater in. I don't care what movie I'm about to say. I am going to say that's not a film before every single one of these. Yep. Yeah, it's Out a, loud. It's a commercial yeah. for a Coke. Yeah. And it's they're, they're bad. Yeah, None they're, of them are good. Yeah, I was like, why are you putting your name on this? It's not a film. <laughs> it's not an order. Right. Like, what producer is watching it going, get me the guy who did the guy meets a girl at a movie and got, gets her Shares a Coke. Yeah. yeah. Did, okay. Look, I don't know what this says about me sexually, um, but Triple H's promo like gives me a semi to this day. I don't, I don't know. His like, promo or just his presence? Both, but like just at hearing, it felt like it was so exciting to hear like men talk openly about sex like this. Oh, I don't know about a male fucking, friends, fucking people. 
Yeah, they're like, I'm, you're gonna, my, uh, she can smoke my peace pipe and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, because you know what it is? I was thinking about this today because I was like, I was young enough at this point that this was not the kind of stuff I was hearing from my peers because we were still too young. Right. And I have no older siblings. Yeah. And so this was like my first sort of like, ooh, we're being naughty and talking about sex because my peer group wasn't doing that. And I had no other model. So I'm like, I think that's why I thought all of this was so cool. Because this was truly the first I was like, ooh, this is like big kid talk. This is an interesting view into your psyche because for me, I was just like, oh my fucking God. Like, it was just like, like every time they do like the, the suck it. I, I think the suck it is. No, the suck it, the suck it is good, Eric. No, You're, but also. I might eventually like it, but I, I would do also, not like it now. I feel like I would feel differently about this if I was 16. I would feel different about it if I was 18. I would feel different about it even if I was just a little older. If I older. was like 34. <laughs> right. I would feel, I feel very differently. But as an 11 or t- like an 11, 12 year old kid, this was truly, this was the, I've never heard anybody talk like this before. And it was, th- it was thrilling. I get that. I mean, yeah, I get it. I Look, I was 18. Or I was going to be 18. I was like 17. And had I been watching this, I probably would have been like, holy shit, wrestling wrestling is as stupid as I thought it was. I would have just been like, this is not, there's nothing interesting about this for me at the time. And I get it. Like for for a teenage kid, I mean, Degeneration X was purely, I would say, for younger people, right? Because like... It's it's a dumb play on Generation X. It's it's a it's like a dumb portmanteau of degenerate and Generation X, and it's just like and then like their interpretation of it so far to get back into what I thought about it was like it's just like we're people who hate authority and we just talk about our dicks and <laughs> like it's but all we're, shitty. But we're also seeing the very early stages yeah. of Degeneration X where this is, I, I would say that this is proto what Degeneration X is going to become and I think what it becomes is something that a an older wrestling fan can enjoy. Well this, this goes back to my original thesis, right? Which is that uh, WWF starts with gimmicks that you hate and then you be, be between repetition and refinement, you get to appreciate and love things. Like mm. I'm trying to, like like okay, so perfect example is um, like I, I I I did not initially like let's say New Day. Like, when New Day first came out, I was like, eh, not into it, not into it. They did a lot of the same stuff over and over, and they refined it and refined it and refined it, and then all of a sudden... And also, everybody... Like, I remember we went to our first SummerSlam, and we were like, New Day sucks, New Day sucks. And, like, some kid was like, New Day rocks. And, like, I feel like that kid housed me now, because clearly that kid knew better. But, like... Sure. I don't know. I, I I remember when you're talking about, and that was kind of like a weird transitional period for New Day. I, I don't have enough on that. But I will say that there's all, like, like Rusev Day and stuff like that, that a lot of times WWF can catch lightning in a bottle for that first time and can create yeah. something great right along. So I'm not going to go ahead and say that everything needs to, is, is like, annoying to begin with and then finds the cool along the way i agree with that i don't think it's everything everything i mean clearly stone cold 
like was there immediately or at least when we started this he was right there and and he got it and everybody fucking was was on board i guess what i'm saying is there's a lot of gimmicks that that wwf at least from what we've seen has done where i was like i reacted poorly because i wasn't into it and then i got into it because it got it was it got done more it got done more it got done more and then they they made little tweaks pain and i think that we could pain talk, is a big thing i think we could talk a lot more about that when we get to the rock later on yeah oh yeah for sure right but as far as this match goes uh okay first of all i loved that there was a point so when sergeant slaughter enters the ring before he enters the ring he looked like he was like turning his hat before he took it off and i was like does he need to screw his hat onto his head it was like a little like obviously it was only three grooves well you would know eric because you had the action figure (laughs) well i had the action figure because i was uh washing boats for a family for you know a whole summer to be able to afford the money but dx has shown no issue using numbers to their advantage up until this point so i don't understand why it doesn't just start with china and triple h just beating the shit out of this old man when you said numbers i initially thought you meant the numbers in like their promo that were the <laughs> hacker numbers i was like yeah they don't they love it but they have no problem using the show numbers on cbs uh, yeah, no, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, it felt weird that, like, nobody was stepping in for a long time. Also, did you notice there was a sign from somebody who just who held it up that goes, who booked this? Which literally <laughs> should be for, held up for every match. This well, was, this was just so long. And it didn't need to be. No. My, the, my least favorite part of this match is that Sergeant Slaughter tries to pin him on the outside, and they're like, you can't pin on the outside. And I'm like, isn't this your match? Yes, yes. <laughs> like, isn't this your whole idea? How you don't know the rules to your match? Yeah, I also wrote, you know what would be helpful? A boot camp match rules explainer. Yeah. No, or a food was... camp match rules explainer. One of anything. Get Montez Ford to do it. <sighs> Let's, I, too much to go into there. <laughs> but I will say, at this point, I remember, and this sounds bad, so stick with me on it. Okay. Um, I do think watching this, it always felt like China had, was like this impossible thing. Like, how would she ever get her comeuppance? Because, especially at this point, they were not doing intergender stuff. But you're like, China always gets involved and she does so much damage. And you were always kind of like rooting for her to get uh-huh. comeuppance. And here they, they they found a way to do it a little bit. It was one of, I think one of the one of the first times where like China got yeah. Other than I'd say um, when she was on the cage with the Mankind Triple H match and she just kind of like got knocked through the floor. Yes, those moments where she she takes the bump and she gets well. This audience is primed to see men hitting a woman. Yeah, I mean, and increasingly so. But I think even I watched the day like felt like she was so always so evil or always so like in the way that she kind of like cracked a cobra like haha i'll never you you never stop me and so i did like that about this yeah so china gets uh powdered by sergeant slaughter which was one of his things that he did during his heel time it's just i feel like it's a very classic wrestling like territory days kind of move powdered sugar or i don't know what they use i feel like it's supposed to be like chalk 
Uh, but what was it really? I don't know what it really is. Probably baby powder. Anthrax. <laughs> True heel turn kills. <laughs> and I also don't want to take a lot away from Slaughter. He sold the shit out of a lot of this. The way that he flew over the, the ring post, yeah. causing King to actually say he's dead on the outside. <laughs> yeah. Yet- I thought this match was just too long. Yep. It could have been it could have been fine if it was like two thirds to about half of the length it was. Yeah. Here here's what I brought to this match. Um This match made me understand why in present day Raw, SmackDown, whatever, when they started doing commissioners, why everybody lost their shit. Because for me, as a as somebody watching it in present day, when they were like and Mick Foley is going to be the commissioner or like Kurt Angle is going to be the commissioner and everybody flipped out. And I was like, it's just commissioner guys. It's not a big deal. What I think I realized watching this is that commissioner kind of means like curtain call for these guys that you loved because like, and, and, and I think that Sergeant Slaughter laid out the script for this because nobody knew what to under what to expect for the commissioner role for sergeant slaughter fair yeah so i think what they could expect reasonably as a fan at the time was oh man we're gonna have a fave from the past who's gonna cut great promos gonna present some sort of authority figure they're going you know we get to see this guy just being great on the mic Right, but then when you see this match where everyone's like, "Why is a forty-nine-year-old like wrestling against Triple H?" It doesn't make a lot of sense, and clearly some of the people in the crowd also agreed. And if it was a forty-nine-year-old wrestling tri- Triple H, and Triple H just beat the shit out of him, like, yes, great, go. Do it. <laughs> it's the fact that it's a forty-nine-year-old who's in it for most of this match right could possibly win this match well it was boot camp rules so he was you know able to bring his like his stick in he doesn't know the boot camp rules but he definitely (laughs) benefited listen we don't know the boot camp rules but we abide by them um but no so like i think that that this match for me informed what I've seen since and have not understood, which is that when people hear about like guys who are, you know, or, or, you know, old wrestlers who come back to be these manager or commissioners or whatever, like when they get excited, I think they maybe there's a little bit of um, heightened excitement because they're like, Oh shit. We, you know, we'll get to see like, you know, them, have have a have a match or two where they get to, you know, defend their authority. I guess, but also I guess for me, when I hear that Mick Foley or um, Kurt Angle are going to be commissioner, it's more excitement to hear them on the mic again because this is coming from an era where mic work is so much better than it is today. So I don't really want to see old guys in their one last match anymore. I'm more about pushing the new guys and the new product but also give reverence to the guys who did this for so long and who gave us so much and so your one last tour of duty as the commissioner or maybe not even one last because fuck it mick foley could be commissioner again tomorrow and i'm back eat it up 
So, okay, so then the first part of my statement was correct, was that people want to hear them on the mic again. Yeah. Maybe maybe the, the, the you'll get to still wrestle is like the WWE just imposing it on us. Like, and just being like, no, yeah. these guys are going to wrestle again. Or the Saudi royal family. Yikes. Well, if, if Aaron suddenly dies from mysterious poisoning, we know that it was suicide. Yeah, I don't know much to say about this match. It was too long. Um, China got a comeuppance, but then she got a comeuppance on a comeuppance and hit the low blow. Uh, yeah, Triple H wins. Right person went over. Pedigree on a chair. I I also noticed. Um, I was like, I think that Bell guy is dead. <laughs> like he he got, <laughs> they were just he wasn't moving. Didn't. Did anybody notice the King's Denang stolen valor? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, wait, was it Stolen Valor or was it... It was weird because he was just like... He was like, oh, it's just like in Da Nang. But then he was like, yeah, I remember watching it on TV when I was like three years old. So he was like stealing Valor from like veterans, but also stealing Valor, valor from like young people. Because he's, <laughs> he's neither a veteran nor is he young enough to have seen it. Well, thank God we're past this match and... Oh, fuck. Yikes. This is what I remember everybody yelled at me when I was like, Undertaker's a mid-carder. And you're like, no, he's not. I like to be like, exhibit A, this fucking match. This one is for sure a mid-card. This fucking match. So we've got Jeff Jarrett versus Undertaker. Oh, let's so talk about Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett is annoying. He came onto the scene, or came back to the scene, I should say, with a bunch of shoot interviews against WCW and Vince McMahon. So they're trying to like play up his cool card, I guess. He's underpaid. He doesn't use drugs. There are no skeletons in his closet. They even do, like, a word association game that only proved that Jeff Jarrett doesn't understand how word association game works. You can't just say sentences when somebody suggests the, something? They would be, like, the headbangers, and he would pause for, like, a few seconds and then go, Venomous tigers that make the grade. <laughs> the word association for him is say words. <laughs> so first he was supposed to fight Crush... But he refuses to fight that grease monkey and also calls him Chains like six times. Which is pretty funny. Then it's Ahmed Johnson, but Double J feels like he's not been promoted right, prompting Ahmed Johnson to call him Chicken Shit. Also, in the most Ahmed Johnson I love it. things I love it. ever Ahmed Johnson, Ahmed Johnson got in a car accident eight days before that. I love Ahmed Johnson watch. I want to... I want to... I, like, I feel like in Ahmed Johnson's apartment... There's a sign that says, like, we've got... How many days? We've got zero days without an accident. (laughs) And, like, he's just, like... There's some poor foreman who's just, like, sorry, back to zero. (laughs) Every fucking day. I was... I'm so happy you talked about this because I was like, well, we're never going to talk about Ahmed Johnson's car accident that he almost died in because he flipped a car over. He showed pictures of, like, twisted metal and it's just... Ahmed... I'm here for you, buddy. Just I hope that once you like got out of the, the spotlight, then all of a sudden the grim specter of death stopped following you every day. Like, are we sure that when Ahmed Johnson went to cut those promos for the PlayStation wrestling game that he didn't get injured on set? Because I know that... No, I am never certain that Ahmed Johnson <laughs> is not injured. He, I know he stood in front of a green screen, but like maybe a rafter hit him. I don't know. 
Anyway, Slaughter says, fine, you're going to wrestle at D-Generation X against The Undertaker. The Undertaker's whole story right now is still, I will not fight my brother Kane. Which brings us to tonight. So Jeff Jarrett's going to fight The Undertaker. I hate his outfit. You love his outfit. I like his outfit. He looks like um, like a rejected Power Ranger design. Mm, no, he looks like. Excuse when... me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He correct. looks like um, when New Day first came on the scene, and it was kind of like a gospel thing. I love the colors. I think they work great together. <laughs> I mean, speaking of dream catchers, I mean, he looks like a Santa Fe like side of the road art like pop up art shop. He's an Aztec high priest. Yeah, it's bad. His outfit is actually great, and you're all wrong. No. I mean, I like the color scheme. You know what it is? It's it's Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. I like the double J worked into it. That's good. Um, his entrance music, which that's a very loose term right there, which is just his voice saying why he's great. It's, it's a, literally a pre-recording of him just talking about himself, which... If there's one thing the last few Raws have proven, it's I don't want to hear any more. It sounds like his answering machine message. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, you've reached Jeff Jarrett. I'm the best. Um, I'm not, I don't have anything in my trailer. Uh, They're making me fight. And I've never done drugs. (laughs) But yeah, this match is... The most whatever, whatever that ever whatevered. Well, I, I, I got it wrong, but I got very close. I wrote before the match. I wrote my prediction: Kane comes and Jeff Jarrett never wrestles because that's what was happening in all of the mm-hmm. Raws. Turns out he wrestles, but like whatever, Kane does come because it's the Undertaker. Yeah, that appearance surprised literally nobody. But also, they called him the One-Eyed Monster Kane. Which I went that's very hilarious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. I I have a one eyed monster too. I keep it in. Whoa, my, whoa, whoa! I keep it with my trouser snake. That's how we talk about our dicks, right? <laughs> our one eyed monster and our trouser snakes. And Kane slaps the Undertaker. Does anybody have anything to add to this match? I do not. Um. Oh, I, I actually wrote, um, I wouldn't mind if this was the match where Undertaker tears Jared's head off. <laughs> I mean, that chokeslam looked like dog shit. It was oh, terrible. it was a bad chokeslam. Yeah, it, I, was, I was like, is he trying to sell that he's thrown off by the fact that like he had to face Kane? But it was just bad. I feel like he was just thrown off by the fact that he had to do something from what we've seen for the past month. But yeah, I no, I literally was like, you know what? If, 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 one person had to get murdered on a pay-per-view, I'd be fine with, with Undertaker pulling Jeff Jarrett's head with his spine, like, like, like full-on Scorpion. Uh, Sub-Zero or Scorpion? Scorpion. Uh, Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero style. Scorpion lit you on fire. That's true. Kane is more Scorpion. Undertaker is Sub-Zero. Wow. You're right. I wish I could fight feel that. Who's, re- <laughs> who's Reptile? Ooh, um, Gangrel, <laughs> Paul, uh, the Repo Man, Paul Bear, Paul Bear, Paul Heyman. Yeah. Oh yeah, the wait, the Reaper. Wait, no. Um, who was the guy? Not that. Who was the guy who fought in? Uh, when? Yes, Queen. Yes. Paul Bear. No, 
It was the the mortuary assistant. Who the, oh, the executioner. The executioner. Oh. <laughs> mortuary assistant. <laughs> That's what an executioner right, is, right? I thought it was on their LinkedIn page. Uh, whatever. Let's move on. Mark Henry's back, you guys. Oh, thank God. And he's like, I don't know. When he'd be back, he's like, I don't know, a week or two. <laughs> How? Okay. <laughs> Mark Henry is in the Milton Bradley section. Which I'm is, gonna... by the way, the highest section. <laughs> he's so far away from the action. You're by the blimp. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite moment of this here is when Mark Henry goes, this one of the kids here, and just points at one of the children that they've surrounded him with. I, okay, I don't know if other people thought this, but when he was like, yeah, I'm here with all of Milton Bradley, the big wigs, and I just wanted him to say Milton and Bradley. <laughs> the big wigs, the little wigs, all the wigs. Yeah, Brad's here, Milt's here, they're great. Mark has had months to figure out what he's going to say the moment he gets on TV and it's just mush mouth from start to finish. This is what months of Mark Henry thinking gets you. But I will say, Mark looks great. I, I mean, like, sitting down or... Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, he looks he looks good. He looks in shape. I'm ready for him to be back. Sure. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is he was sedentary. I, I'm not... I didn't get much of a profile. Like, his face looked fine. I... Yes. I guess... Being able to track Mark Henry's career from start to finish and knowing how he got big old fat face at the end there. He's got a very svelte face at the in this moment. I'm very excited for him to do something because yeah. I like, you know, back in the old days, uh, well, back in the old days, which is in the future when we were betting on on Rum, a Royal Rumble, I think I got Mark Henry once. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Clearly he's not going to do anything. And you guys were like, Ooh, Mark Henry. So I want to see like the parts where he gets fun because so far you there is time. no yeah there is no ooh Mark Henry from and Mark Henry will for the next twenty years do awesome things. Great. Yeah, yeah, he's a I mean he's amazing. He I he, am... but when you watch him develop from zero, that's what's cool. Like you like most wrestlers are coming from territories and they're coming from indies and they're doing whatever. You get to watch Mark Henry go from zero to to Hall of Famer. It's like playing a, like a wrestling video game. Like you start from nothing and you start you take him to Hall of Fame. It's amazing. Just to note, we're at zero right now. Yes, a hundred percent. Okay, maybe, yeah. maybe we're like two or three. Right. He's he's yeah. He he's he's played maybe like a quarter season. Well, I mean, we did see him um, in that match against Lawler, where it was a match against Lawler, sure. But by the end of that, I was like, yes, Mark Henry, I am there for whatever you do and whoever you crush, you enormous, enormous man. Yes. But then we get a match that actually matters. Well, yeah. I mean, talk about seeing somebody go from zero to Hall of Famer. I can't wait for this. This This is what this is about. Well, yeah. I mean, this, I think one of the major things that we're looking at throughout our entire podcast and throughout this entire project as someone who saw Hobbs and Shaw a few weeks ago, I am more excited about seeing The Rock's development than anything else. First of all, Aaron, thank you for your service. <laughs> um, Hobbs and Shaw is really good. It's not great. 
Um, I, I rank it as number five in my list of Fast and Furious movies. I know, I saw it on Facebook. The, um, the sexual tension between Hobbs and Shaw has been cut into like maybe a third of what it was in Fate of the Furious. The final act is incredible. That's all I'll say about it. I'm in love so much with The Rock and Jason Statham and also Idris Elba. But now, so Stone Cold's been Stone Cold for a minute now. But now, The Rock is finally calling himself The Rock. This was literally the more exciting thing that happened after the Montreal Screwjob was was that he was like, starts referring to himself as The Rock. Because we're not seeing the fallout from the Screwjob yet, from what I can tell. Right? There's, I mean, you're not going to get direct fallout from it because they're gone and it was real and it was not story well no what i mean is what i mean is okay we we're not going to go into all the detail but what i when we talk about the montreal screw job we talk about how it completely changed wrestling in that it changed how they tell stories but you are seeing that 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 is this i think you're looking for it in very direct ways and it's not like that think about it there's a power vacuum now in the back there's all these wrestlers are gone. These huge baby faces are gone. These huge wrestlers are gone. These people that the pillars the company were built on for so long are gone. So all these young upstarts like your Austins, like your Rocks, are clamoring to be like, I want to get a piece of this pie. Triple H being like, now's the time, man. Shit's fucking crazy. I'm gonna put a stake out there and do something crazy now. Well, wait a minute. First of all, calling calling Austin a young upstart who's gonna claim his piece of the pie. He was already claiming it. He was already yeah, the but top this guy. Is... Or, you know, no. Not the top guy, but like you but know Bret I mean? Hart was the top guy, and now he's gone. So that's a fucking vacuum at the top for that everyone wants to I be mean, the one I to mean, take that spot. Think about Austin's stories up until this point. They've all been him going up against Bret and him falling short of Bret. Now they've booked it well enough that he never lost any of the veneer on him. But the story has always been that Bret is the top guy in the company. And Rocky before this was a nation domination stooge. Before that, he was like an anonymous babyface. This is also an opportunity for him to like do something, like really make a character and take bold swings and do stuff. I guess I thought that my impression of like what came out. I mean, maybe a lot of things came out of the Montreal Screwjob, but like my impression of what came out of the Montreal Screwjob, it was that it was it removed a layer of kayfabe in that it acknowledged. Mm. That and this is what this is what the the you know episodes that talk about Montreal Screwjob talk about is it removed a layer and it was it made it because like when you see and, and during the pay per view the Raws that we were watching Vince McMahon talks about uh, Brett as a storyteller and this is there's a there's an open acknowledgement that there were stories being told and things were being written. And they're they're asking questions like, do you think Brett's got Brett got screwed? And like the the implication is like he got screwed because people were calling things they were calling that match. They they were they were they had predetermined what the match was gonna be as opposed to what it is. Now, I what I guess my my main point of what I was saying is I don't I'm not seeing any of that. I'm not seeing any of you, the, it's yeah, just business. You, you need to look at it differently. Yeah, that's not how it's going to change. It's not going to change like that. It's not that it's going to change that they're going to acknowledge more about how the wrestling system works. It changes in the fact that um, it shows 
the the crowd reaction to this very real thing that happens yeah. makes them want to write stories that hew closer to reality rather than the exaggerated superhero kind of stories they were telling before this. And so the character of Mr. McMahon that is going to be developed over the next year and to infinity and beyond from to that this day, yeah. Isn't one who's like, I'm the I've got the magic typewriter in back and if you don't hew to what I say, I'm gonna write you out of it. It still follows the traditional like wrestling story types, but he is now a character within this machine. But it's a more realistic character than a clown, a garbage man, like all of the stuff, the, a, a, a sadistic um, a tax preparer, like all the dumb shit we were seeing before. <laughs> like they're actually being like, no, the tension, the drama, and the conflict come from these relationships they have and from backstabbing and from sex and and betrayal and and from all that kind of so like it's that kind of thing it's not changing where they start acknowledging wrestling as a business that still to this day isn't happening so that's not the change you're gonna see that's super interesting because like the what like the the stuff i remember listening to was kind of like you know they they the thesis about it was that like you're not supposed to acknowledge kayfabe, and that that Montreal Screwjob acknowledged kayfabe. Well, that's this. why it would. That was a singular yeah. moment, but that's not like a lingering effect that ripples out after that. See, it that's brings things about. back. It makes the stories. The stories are still stories, but they're grounded in reality in a way that's much closer than what they were before, and that's the that's the effect. It's the shades of gray. It's like the anti-hero. All that kind of stuff is which it sort of already. And so yeah, so so, we've seen building, but that's really what blows it out now. And so one can almost say one of the biggest reasons to believe that the Montreal Screwjob was a work in of itself is because they've been basically building to that moment throughout all this. Okay, okay. Um, Maybe that was just you know having not lived it and not having not seen any of it and having and he, having somebody describe it and mm-hmm. try to i mean it's weird because and that's the fun eric that is the fun but like yeah you're right i mean but like having having uh you know like oh, we'll take radio lab because that was my my entry point uh having radio lab try to describe it uh really it's funny how my mind took what they told me and was like and created this whole other thing that is not really what reality was also yeah brett is the number one but man it always seemed like like sean was the number one. Oh, well, the two but sean's still there but there's this other opening right, right, now right. that like people this is an opportunity for people to grab the press ring and that's why you're seeing yeah gold dust take this really really crazy chances like he thinks he could be that guy the rock thinks he can be that guy Austin it could be that guy. I mean, like, all these people, Triple H is trying to redefine his character. They're all, like, this is, it's chaos, and it's also the Monday Night Wars. They're still losing in ratings. They're losing all the shit. And so this is prime opportunity for everybody to step up. So all these, all these people, like, behind the scenes are trying to ramp up their characters. 100%. And, they're having, and then they're having a lot more freedom to do so that we don't see today. So we talk so much today about what the writers are doing, creative and all this stuff. And at this point, though, the wrestlers are much more the forefront of their own creative. See, that's more, honestly, that's more interesting to me. I mean, uh, a lot of it's interesting, but that's an interesting angle 
compared to what I thought I knew because you know obviously um, this is a very well trod territory right uh, there's a lot of you know people talk about oh well you know you're talking about the attitude or you're going to talk about the Montreal Screwjob I didn't realize that the that like what the Montreal Screwjob does at least as far as what we're talking about is it created the vacuum and there were other circumstances like people like throwing a lot of stuff at the fan like there was it was the Montreal Screwjob and WCW and the fact that like they got rid you know they lost like a bunch of major player Brett but also like Bulldog and other people they lost lost his major players and so they're trying to do all these other things and everybody is like it's a lot of um it's a lot of fireworks at the same stage and we're seeing it all at the same time it's it's like the beginning of every raw okay hmm. cool so now we have the rock who like as we said he's trying to develop this persona this new one we've been hearing rocky sucks chance for weeks on end um and i gotta say like how much can you imagine being somebody who went to one of these shows and chanted rocky sucks to then think to then go see hobbs and shaw in the theaters and be like well i guess he doesn't suck to be an extra on ballers (laughs) um so Rock has challenged Stone Cold Steve Austin for the Intercontinental title. Stone Cold accepts. Things get interesting when uh, Stone Cold calls out The Rock and gets the entire nation of domination in return. And while Stone Cold is so busy beating down D'Lo Brown, The Rock steals the Intercontinental title. Dope. Dope, dope, dope. Oh my god, why why has nobody else stolen a title? This That will be repeated throughout the years but it has not been done for a long time yeah i think uh, was this the beginning um it definitely I modern memory. I'm, I'm sure though that jim Cornette would be like a 1910 actually in the northwest <laughs> wrestling alliance they did the, the first of all joe joe stanton let us know has uh, this yeah. been stolen before I, I i'm sure it has been in pre like in like territory days or whatever but and, this is the first time i remember seeing it and then i think the most recent one dean ambrose stole the wwf championship from seth rollins for a little while i think that's the most recent one that i can remember yeah Rock calls himself the people's champion for the first time. Yeah. I'm just this whole thing is just getting me so excited and so happy because then uh, Stone Cold drives up in his 316 branded pickup truck with a six pack of Budweisers. This is all very cool. Still watching it back to this day. It's it it was awesome. Oh my god! Well, first of all. Okay, I, I uh, full disclosure, I you know as you know I've been watching the Raws, but as you also know, when I watch the Raws, I sometimes fall asleep. Right? <laughs> um, I was watching the Raws and I like missed the Rocky in in full Canadian tuxedo denim with the uh, fanny pack, that whole scene, and I saw it in an, in another. Like, I saw it called back to in another Raw. I think that was the Raw from November 24th. Yeah, it was November 24th because it was right November before. November 24th, I... I think he was in the Canadian tuxedo you speak of. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, so no- November 24th was when it happened. I kind of missed it. Uh, and then I, and like, I, heard, I, you know, I was like falling asleep. So I sort of heard something. I was like, oh, this is fine. 
Uh, and then I saw what happened in the later Raw, and I went back and watched it. And I was like, oh, this is a moment. This is a full fucking moment. I, I had seen the pictures, I think. There was a picture of, like, it was like a glamour shot of of The Rock, like, with like with his... Um, with his fanny pack and maybe in this in the denim. I remember him having a fanny pack on this one here. There was a, I feel like a picture. I'm, I'm the famous rock it. meme is him in the turtleneck. He's in the turtleneck with, 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 with a chain. With he's the, in the, the turtleneck with the chain, but he also has a fanny pack. He has the right. fanny pack. Is in the but I don't think part, he yes. had it on in the raw episode you're talking he about. He had a fanny pack on in the raw episode for sure, a hundred percent. I watched it today. Anyway, um, so he had like I. I, you know, just kind of like saw what happened. I went back and I watched it. And I was like, holy shit. First of all, Stone Cold's like, when your beeper beeps 316, that means I'm going to kick your ass. And then he looks at his beeper and his eyes just bug out. And Stone Cold's there and kicks his fucking ass. I, I like, I, I, you know. It's just like the it's just like the other three sixteen moment, right? You can you can map three sixteen moments. The first one was amazing. This is like fucking amazing. It was so good. Uh, I also want to note while HBK lost his smile, The Rock found his eyebrow. Yes, that shit. Oh my god, those raws. The build-up. Just, just go to the Raws and just go... I mean, there's a lot of good things in the Raws, but go to those those segments with The Rock and with, with Steve Austin because they're great. They're so good. He's like, oh, God. The fucking... Is it live or is it Memorex? He's like, he's on video and he's like talking... He, he's like, you know... Basically, he's he's basically saying, "Is this pre-recorded? Am I right behind you?" Ah, oh, and mm, I love it. I love it so much. And this match is really good. It's short. It's, it's, it's great. not to the level of a lot of their other ones, but it's really good. I I have a little bit of a problem with the booking here. Okay, where Austin is able to go over on the entire nation of domination. I mean, the, but the way he takes them out, sort of like one by one, uh-huh. is is good. I mean, it's iconic, like the D-Lo backdrop onto the onto the pickup truck and the sun are on top of the truck. That those are iconic images. Yeah. Um, and the way I think it was Kama hits Farouk with the chair by accident, mm-hmm. but like so he takes them all out. The way it's like it's it's at least considered. Loved it. But and also now in seeing the way that this match was set up. With Rock stealing the title and kind of like outthinking Steve Austin, I would like to see more kind of that psychology in this match. It's nitpicky, whatever. It's still great. It's still two of my all time favorite people fighting each other. And so I'm going to love it no matter what. Just kind of like connecting it to what happened. I'd like to see more psychology from the Rock side in I- here. I agree. I, I like what you're coming up with, and I think that that's a perfect example of like that. Like WWF starts with something, and then you know when you take it on your in your own brain, you're like, oh, oh, this would be great because like 
what it I mean really if we break it down what it really was is it was just like you know he runs in and he steals a he steals a belt it doesn't take a fucking brainiac to steal a belt but I think your angle is more fun and smarter and great like if it was you like know Steve Austin has never found a problem that he couldn't punch yeah right right and I think like if if it had been okay because really what it was is Rocky is kind of like a shit heel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the cool thing the about shit heel. he's the shit heel, right? So, like, the cool thing about him is he he gets the he gets the belt, and then he's just like, yeah, I'm the champ. Like, fuck it, I you know, like I'm just like this is like I have it, so I'm the champ. And he's doing that whole thing. So he's got the swagger, he's got the belt, but what he doesn't have is what you're talking about, which is like, oh, I've I've masterminded this, and then. That would, I mean, like, I'm a, I'm hoping they have more chances for him to develop it, but like that oh, they would, will, yeah. But that moment would be great, which is where, which is like, like, oh yeah, you think you can like, you think you can kick my ass, but like, I will, I'm four steps ahead of you because I have all these things going. That's a really fun idea. That you know, again, if if like they weren't making a show every week. They probably would like maybe have a chance at, at coming up with. Um, so it ends. Rock goes for the brass knucks. Where do you get those again? Anyway, from his trunks, or maybe the NOD handed to him. Uh, but Austin has gone through the entire nation, stuns the rock, gets up on the top of the truck, gives everybody the finger, and was just short a few Steve Weisers at the end to really give it that exclamation point. Do they call them Steve Weisers? They may call them Steve Weisers. <sighs> okay, couple things. Uh, I thought in the beginning when when uh, when God created the earth yeah. and the, separated the heavens from the firmament, no, um, when Rock and Austin are going at it, they look like a bunch of puppies, and I loved it. Aww. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, let's see. Uh, I I thought the Delo shit was great. I going back to the the Rock's middle finger. I loved in the Raw when it was November twenty fourth in the Raw at Raw's War. I gotta you know name it fully. <laughs> he when he goes, uh, I want you to go home and have a good Thanksgiving and uh, feast on this bird and holds up the middle finger. I was like. That is so fucking cool. It was I was into the middle finger then, and finally, um, I had a, a a question that I got to answer on my own. You know, as we know famously, I am unable to figure out what audiences are chanting during a match, and there was a point at around two o seven, two o eight, where um, Rocky, Rock, the Rock has austin in a headlock and the crowd is chanting and i was like i don't know what the fuck they're saying they were saying 316 which is fucking cool also you should know it's okay to continue to call him rocky crowds will continue to chant rocky like in a good way like later on yeah cool well you know okay i'll take that in um yeah it was it was a short match. It was like it had a lot, a lot of stuff going on, and and a lot of that had to do with Austin is still not a well man, right, Bobby? 
Correct. And yeah, he. I mean, he's, that's why this match is short, but I just love that it was short and intense. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have a tight five minutes than like whatever 20 minute we watched Triple H do at Sergeant Slaughter. We could uh, say that for comedy, for improv. Yeah, that's true. Right. For your stand-up, tight five better than your rambling 20. Yep. Um, Triple H always has long, like two long matches, doesn't he? Yeah. Like throughout his whole career. But this was really yeah. too much. Yeah, no, I know. Wait, Triple H. So apparently, yeah, Triple H. Apparently, we were talking about the Sergeant Slaughter match. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And like right up until Batista at last year's WrestleMania, it was it's just like trim ten minutes off of it. Bad news, guys. Speaking of trimming, two segments have been cut from this before one WWE Network, and they were both for the Superstar Line. No, no! come on. They were. Hold on. They were Kevin Kelly and the Jackal. And so now, what I would like to do with the two of you is I would like uh, the two of you to play Kevin Kelly and the Jackal, and I want you to reenact what you think was happening in the Superstar Line segment we didn't get to see. So you guys can decide who wants to play Kevin Kelly, who wants to play the Jackal. I want to be the Jackal. Of course. I'm okay. to be the Jackal. I'll give it to you. And you want to be Kevin Kelly. Sure. And so give us just like a little bit of like what the, this is the Superstar Line segment. What would it have been? Had we been able to see it. Do I refer to you as the Jackal? Yes, the Jackal. Yes. So the Jackal, uh, just wondering, what do you feel about what happened with the Bariquas and DOA? Is there a, why why wasn't the Truth Truth Commission? will be out there. All I can say, all my followers, everyone out there, everyone listening, call in. Option four. Get the jackal. You're gonna get all of my opinions on everything that's going on. The Berwikwas. <laughs> that's how Massachusetts. I, that is how I, the jackal, say it. The Berwikwas. That was like a Barbara Walters like the Berwikwas. It was <laughs> very... The Berwikwas are gonna get theirs, but we still have our sights set on the disciples of Apocalypse. I'm sorry, is it the apocalypse or Disciples of Apocalypse? <laughs> Thank and you. then and then I just kinda look at the camera and I shrug, because that's what they do when they when they interview. Now somebody gets sunny in here. Meanwhile behind them Kurgan is like on the phones, just like yeah. Uh wait, uh do you think that do you think the jackal is on AOL just going uh age, sex, weight, uh reach? Uh, can you wrestle for the Truth Commission? You think, that, you think you're talking tomorrow? about the tail of the tape right there. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Luna Vachon again. I thought I was going to step in. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's hear you do better. Eric, you're the jackal now. Oh. This is Kevin Kelly on the Superstar Line. I'm here with the jackal. Jackal. What it's do you have the to say? jackal, first of all. The Sorry. The jackal. What do you think about your chances of being on the next pay-per-view are? Well, let me tell you, first of all, I'm not, we're not looking at a head. I'm right now looking at this amazing crowd because I am scouting for the Truth Commission. We are, we are constantly bringing in new talent, developing new talent, because the first goal of the Truth Commission is to establish our dominance. But the Jackal, the next pay-per-view, what do you think? We're talking about the Royal Rumble here. That is in 2000... That is in... 19... 
98. Uh, our fiscal year is not completed for the Truth Commission. Our Audience. budget is not set. Audience, Eric and I both took many lessons, <laughs> spent hundreds of dollars at the Upright <laughs> Citizens Brigade, and this is what you get. Surprise, we're improv podcast now. What uh, what level did you get to? I went all the way, man. You did 401? I did 401. I did 301. So what was the other um, cut? Thing. It was both. It was literally two segments with Kevin Kelly and the Jackal on the Superstar line. Wait, so we did they it. went back to the same people on the Superstar line. Yep, one was earlier in the evening and one was um, now. So did you, the Jackal, this? did you find anybody? <laughs> Actually, in each one, they switched who was they playing did. the part Actually, of the Jackal. Kevin Kelly was, was the Kevin Jackal. Kelly. Yep, he put on <laughs> the sunglasses. It was like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley doing True West. Right. Also on this season of Glow. Okay, so I have a question that's been kind of gnawing at me. Uh, I feel like what we've seen from Austin since SummerSlam is that is like kind of like a you know a curtailed Austin. It's, he's not he's he they're they're basically throwing people at him for him to kind of be able to take down, and he's it's not really a, a full match. What do you think a match between Austin and The Rock would have been like if the if SummerSlam hadn't happened, if Owen hadn't, you know, given him his stinger. Honestly, not as good. I feel like The Rock is still developing as a performer here. He's so much better than where he was, but he's still fairly green. Austin was always a very technical wrestler. So to put him in the kind of contest would be a lot more plotting. I think the fact that he was injured forced him to be more intense and forced gimmicks like the pickup truck and stuff, which ended up being immensely over. So I kind of think it's sort of like when they're like, oh, creative people love restraints. It's like the same thing. I think it's like the fact that he was injured actually forced him to make better art. That's an interesting take. I did not think that was going to go that way. Bobby's answer is more interesting than anything I would have come up with, so I'm just going to go with that. (laughs) Brings us to the main event. With everything else going on, Sean probably forgot that he was fighting Ken Shamrock tonight. Shamrock did get the distinction of getting a three count on Sean on the Raw after Survivor Series, despite the fact that Shamrock was in a match with Triple H at the time. At the Go Home Raw, Michaels did a bit where he showed how he would counter the pain from Shamrock's ankle lock by having Hunter twist his boot around like the end of his foot. This is a hilarious bit. <laughs> I'm shocked that you found this hilarious. You know what? I was like, I was like. So, okay, so, okay, okay, so Sean's on. in a wheelchair yeah. and he's got his foot outstretched and you can't, like, it, it looks like a boot is on a regular foot, but then Triple H keeps twisting it around and, like, it keeps going. He, he basically goes, okay, so uh, the, the bit is he goes, you know, like, like you know, why are you. Nobody says why you're in a in a wheelchair, but he essentially is like, well, I'm in a wheelchair because I've been practicing so hard to uh, deal with pain management for when um, Ken Shamrock attacks me and tries to do an ankle lock, and you know I've just been I've just been brutalizing my legs, and then he goes. Triple H, uh, why don't you just go ahead and... Uh, someone from the audience. Uh, Triple H, you, sir. I want you to tw- twist me boot around as far as it could go. It, it, you have not... We have not met before, have we, sir? <laughs> um, so he basically says, like, hey, you know, let, try me out. And essentially, they... And you know what? They sell it really, really well. Because the way they sell it is, like, he's slowly moving the boot. He's like, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. 
And then it starts getting into, at some point, cartoonish territory where it's, you know, the boot is, like, vertically, like, facing down. Uh, and you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And he's like, okay, no, no, I don't, I don't feel anything yet. And then he just, he does, like, three rotations with the boot. And he's like, no, I think I'm still good. I think I'm still good. And I was like, you know what? This is very... This is the prop comedy I've asked for. Or I I didn't know I wanted, I guess is the better way to put it. Um, It was was funny. I mean, yeah. They talk about like, oh, they're, they're suckers because they're like licking lollipops and all this bullshit. But... I was genuinely a little bit taken in by the bit because I didn't predict it. And uh, you know what? Everything else they do kind of sucks, but this one was kind of fun. I really like Kim Shamrock, too. I think he's really good. Even at this point, he's not great on the mic. He's not super charismatic. He is terrible on the mic. But in the ring, he's good. And he tells a story, and he is charismatic in the ring when he's being physical. He's just not a, he's a, he's a terrible talker. I want to say that uh, they had a package for Ken Shamrock, and the Shamrock Club Mix is a banger. This is not going to be pretty. I'm not afraid of pain. I'm afraid of failure. Shamrock is a submissive specialist. Shamrock got the angle. Shamrock got Brett's angle. And Brett tapping out. Put him down. Put the submission out. Shamrock with a clinic. Michael's tapping out. He's got the hold on. He's got the, he's got the submission moving on Vader. I, I just wanted there to be like a foam party and just like everyone just like and like it, him just screaming and like because listen listen you know they play it on the raws they play it on the uh, actually that's game. just Ken Shamrock's answering machine. <laughs> Shawn Michaels is dressed in a leather vest that's been adorned by an erector set. <laughs> that's good. It's actually, it's magnetic. And he kind of like fell in a toolbox before he came <laughs> out. Um, I don't like the backstage walk. It's just trying to, I feel like there's a, there's like a fixation with shoot fights right now with like both like the fake boxing match earlier and this. And I feel like that's also part of it. Was, I don't know, was Goldberg happening in WCW right now? Are we pre-Goldberg at WCW? Checking out the research department. Yep, he is. So I also that's a um, a nod to a Goldberg. That's like such an iconic part of Goldberg's entrance is like the following from the locker room with the yeah. security and everything. So they're 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 keeping that also like with boxing and more may feeling more like sports feeling more like main event. Well, they they did it in I think the previous pay per view, and I think it's another like the I think one of the biggest issues with the WWF at at least at this point. I don't know about later, but. They don't know how to rest sometimes. Like, they rest, they did a really good job with Kane where they rested it. But then, like, then obviously after Kane premiered, they were like, keep hitting this button. Let's, like, let's just keep doing it. So I think it's the same thing with these fucking things. Like, 
the they did this for the Montreal screw job. They had Brett do the full walkout. They had Shawn Michaels do the full walkout. I think they're just But for a big four, it almost feels like it's adding towards like the that level. Yeah. Well yeah, this well, being I, in, in your house, just like But in your what, house, I, I feel like in your house should be um, buying into the pageantry as much as possible. But I feel like it wasn't about the grandiosity of it. It was more about the shoot fight element to it. And that's because mm-hmm. that's so Ken Shamrock's background is UFC and I think they wanted that sort of, or MMA or whatever. I don't know the difference. Um, I think they wanted that sort of vibe for this match because of his background. Less even so than the, than like the, the, the pageantry of it. I guess, I guess that might be giving, you know, more credit, which probably is a good thing to the writers and producers. To me... It was just like, oh, these guys—they're—they're they're like they—they were like, oh, you know what? We like this style has been doing well. Let's just do more of this style. But probably they had more. I, I want to give them more credit and say like, yeah, you know what? Like let's like this is the vibe we were looking for. And DX is starting to get over because when that music hits, I heard a lot of cheers in that 100%, audience. Hundred percent. It's so much of that DX music, and I swear to God, I, I guess I have no choice but to love it eventually. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty nice that the, like Ken Shamrock made his debut earlier this year, and he's getting a title match. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good, and he gets protected in this match pretty well. Um, he was just really fucking good. Did you like this match? Um, I liked it okay. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it definitely felt like a stopgap. It felt like a placeholder. This was no main event. No. It did not feel like the way... To, you didn't want to end the year on this. Yeah, we knew Shamrock was not going to, to come away with this with the belt. No, absolutely not. I also wrote... I mean, first of all, I just wrote in my notes, like, it bears repeating, HBK doesn't job. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe that changes, but... It don't. It's been a fucking... It's been a rule, like, it was a sign... And every time I fucking, every time he's in a match and I'm like, well, I wonder how this is going to go. I just say to myself, HBK doesn't job. And I realized, I was like, well, clearly this is going to be a screwy finish. Yeah. Because like, you know, they won't, they're never going to, it's always going to be a DQ. It's always going to be like, either he wins or a DQ. And it's fine. But you know what? It puts Shamrock over pretty great. He doesn't lose anything in his law, in a loss, uh, in a win just by disqualification here. Um, he's protected, but like, didn't I guess stop got the company. But you knew that was going to happen. Like everyone knew I don't that. No that... man, he's brand new, and he, and he got away with a win over the champion and the biggest guy in, in the company. I guess what I'm saying is, everyone. I feel like we all knew going into this. Or you guys have watched already, but I knew going into this that Shamrock was not going to be like he wasn't going to be squashed for Shawn Michaels. I knew. I knew. I knew. I knew. That Shawn Michaels wasn't going to beat him. I knew that Shawn Michaels was going to DQ himself because they want to keep Shamrock. They want to keep his his uh, his star power rocketing, but they also don't. They're not going to have Shawn Michaels lose to him, and that's the problem I have with this match. Is like going into it, I knew what was going to happen. Makes sense. The, honestly, the now, more fun thing was Owen. Okay, I was going to say, did you know that Owen Hart was going to come out of nowhere Absolutely and beat the not, shit out of him? Absolutely not, and I was very happy for And him. look, he was fucking hitting some potatoes on Shawn Michaels. Like, really? Those those punches looked way less pulled than the ones Butterbean was throwing earlier in the night. 
Like, I think he was fucking hitting him in the face hard and for real. So what was the line of blood that was on Shawn Michaels' nose? Because we were like, oh, he broke his nose. Did he break his nose or was that – what was that blood know. coming from? I'm not sure. I don't think he broke his nose, though, but I think Owen beat the shit out of him for real. And some of the lines from this Owen Hart rivalry are some of my favorite of this entire era. You mean coming forward? Yeah. Going, going on? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. Uh Okay, you can tell me if I'm wrong, or you can tell me to shut up, but I feel like we're coming to the end game with Owen. I don't know. I, don't, don't tell me. Don't shut me. up. Yeah, shut up. Thank you. <laughs> but for right now, we have two pieces of business we need to take care of tonight. Yes. Love it. First, for years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call... For your reconsideration. I'm giving my Slammy Award for a category I'm calling Punder Investigation for the like stereotypical pedophilic looking man holding a sign that just said Sable is a knockout with two boxing gloves. <laughs> where so wait, so where can we see this guy? Fuck, where I wrote him down. I think it was, yeah, it was like right after, it was like either during or right after the Mark Merrow match. Can you paint a word picture of this man for He us? looked like Napoleon Dynamite's brother. Ah, okay. <laughs> you mean Kip? Yeah, and he held a sign, just very, like, not like freaking out, like very um, peacefully. Just held it up and said, Sable is a knockout with two boxing gloves. And I was like, <laughs> perfect. I'll go next. Sure. Do you want to go? Doesn't matter to me. Okay, I'll go. Okay. Uh, so actually, I was very surprised because I wrote. Two, I always write two these days because you know I never know. You're worried that someone's going to step on it. Yes. Uh, so the first one, uh, you know, I'll, first one is a throwaway. Maybe I I give it the First Amendment award to the guy who wrote the L O D is O L D sign because that guy got like first of all. Uh, I noticed the LOD is OLD sign before the match. Like, as the match was happening, I noticed Sure, because we all know Eric Silver has amazing foresight and knows everything that's going to happen before it happens. Obviously. I I suffer from the Cassandra complex. But... Who is Cassandra again? (sighs) Greek myths. (laughs) Son of a bitch. So, uh, I had no... You know, I noticed this, and then fucking... Jerry the King Lawler noticed it too. Uh, again, we've linked psychically. But I guess my point is that this guy just had his finger on the pulse of, of what people today would think about LOD. Uh, and I, you know, I was into it. And also, did you hear Jr. I think said like, "We respect the First Amendment, and people can say yeah, whatever they exactly. want and write whatever they want on their signs." That is the First Amendment part of it. Yes, he's, they've said this a lot. My second one is the Little Xavier Woods Urban Achiever Certificate of Achievement Award to whoever brought the trombone. Urban Achiever Certificate of Achievement. Yeah, Urban Achiever Certificate of Achievement. Okay. Uh, to whoever brought the trombone uh, to this because holy shit there was I don't know if you noticed the trombone but there was a part I mean there's a lot of good trombone but the best trombone is when 
Undertaker. Wait, there's a lot of trombone in this one? You guys didn't notice the trombone? I didn't. No. Rewatch, because <laughs> there's... I am not rewatching this part. There is a part where Undertaker is facing uh, Kane, and Kane is like, you know, like, Undertaker is like, you know, full of emotion, and Kane is staring him down, and Kane slaps him, and you hear... And I was like, this is amazing! It's... There's a very good uh, trombone. So someone actually brought a trombone into the arena? Or they put it in post? I don't know. But I th- I hope it's the, the arena. I would think it's the arena. <laughs> Alright. Um, I've got the Who Watches the Watchmen award. During the Triple H Sergeant Slaughter match, the timekeeper got the ring bell wrestled away from him and then got hit in the head and went out so bad. So this award is for the guy who replaced the timekeeper because obviously somebody needs to be keeping time for these matches, right? It's kept to 45 minutes. Yeah. Or... One of them was called for an hour and I was like, oh God, please now. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Austin uh, Stone Cold match. It's like, oh God. All right. You're pretty good this time. Yeah. Um, Our next bit of business seems a little i feel like this is we're gonna get called out on bullshit for this but a few episodes ago eric silver announced that whoever emailed us at helenacellphone at gmail.com would get their first hundred words read on air now we were hoping to get it just from like an average fan aaron's mother really yeah really exactly um I feel like this is going to be like, this is from our listener, uh, Fan Lovington, who writes, you guys are all so handsome. But our first ever email on HelenaCellphone at gmail.com reads, Hi, I'm a freelance writer for the AV Club's Podmas feature, which reviews podcasts every week. This was my last week at Podmas for a while, and I'm glad I got to spend it listening to Helena Cellphone. I'll send you a link when the review goes up. In the meantime, I'd like to spend the rest of my hundred words on the lyrics from the song The Legend of Chavo Guerrero. From the Mountain Goats album, Beat the Champ. Please enjoy. Born down in El Paso where the tumbleweeds blow to the middleweight champ of all of Mexico, Dad Fought. That's 100 words right there. Thank you, Adrian Jade Matthias Bell. I feel like a few of you guys are probably here from reading that review on Podmas. And thank you so much to everyone who's listening. We're going to extend this. The next person, real, fake, or otherwise, who emails us at HelenaCellphone at gmail.com. First 100 words. There we go. Uh, we now have six listeners, so Woo-hoo! that's pretty good. So we've got, you know, uh, Tim, hey, we're here. Tim got a Joe few, Connell. Okay. We've got a few more than six. we we got Tim Joe Connell. We've got Patty Horton. And then the other two, one of them's in Norway, I think. I think maybe Natalie and Nathan count as one because they both kind of listen sometimes. <laughs> they just wrote a review. Love us? Disagree? Want to seal our intercontinental title? Let us know. Email us at HelenaCellphone at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at HelenaCellPod or each of us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam, and our art is by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back again for the 1998 Royal Rumble.